She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is Christmas! Christmas, 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 Christmas. So today, for the holiday, we are talking about the 1983 movie, A Christmas Story. Yeah. Yeah. And if Christmas isn't your thing, that's cool. I personally am an atheist, and yet I love Christmas, because Christmas is kind of a non-religious holiday to me. So Yeah, it's kind of secular to me, too, because I, I grew up in a household that we didn't really go to church. My mom wasn't super religious, and we just celebrated Christmas as a family get together slash Christmas presents type holiday. Um, we did, you know, so for me, it's never been super tied to religion. I mean, I did sometimes go to church on Christmas with my cousins, but yeah, but I mean, I understand that it does have religious implications yeah, and obviously parents a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And people, and you know, midnight mass is really fun. Like I've gone a couple of times I mean, I think it's just really pretty. It's like a pretty ceremony. Oh, and I love going and listening like to like, like choruses singing. I love that. Yeah. I'm, so you go to like a Catholic church. I am into do... the religious Christmas music. I yeah. love that. that stuff is gorgeous. So totally. So I mean, I think that's fun, but obviously some people don't celebrate Christmas or they observe other holidays. Uh, we just are watching a Christmas movie. And so we will be talking about Christmas. That's right. Christmas. <laughs> I mean, the movie has Christmas in the title, so it's kind of yeah, It's a Christmas story. It is. It is all about yeah. Christmas. So A Christmas Story was released on November 18th, 1983. It was based on Gene Shepard's semi-fictional anecdotes in his 1966 book, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. With some elements from his works, including books, short stories, and some of his tour material, which was never published. Also, that's a great title for a book. In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. It's very, very good. I think the S in trust is a dollar sign, too. Oh, nice, in, nice. In the book, yeah. The screenplay was by Gene Shepard, Lee Brown, who's Shepard's wife, and Bob Clark, who also directed the film. Clark was an American film director, screenwriter, producer, and actor. He's best known for his work in the Canadian film industry through the 1970s and 80s, and he's responsible for some of the most successful films in Canadian film history, such as Black Christmas in 1974, Murder by Decree in 1979, Tribute in 1980, Porky's in 1981, and of course, A Christmas Story in 1983. Yep. He also executive produced a remake of Black Christmas that came out in 2006 and was directed by Glenn Morgan. Glenn Morgan. Glenn Morgan. Who we all know is Nick's favorite writer on The X-Files. Glenn Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because then Glenn Morgan and James, was James Wong part of that too? They're the ones who started the um, Final Destination franchise. Okay. wrote those and directed those. So yeah, so I can see them with the Black Christmas kind of thing. So yeah, a very eclectic, uh, list of films when you think about like a Christmas story, but then like Black Christmas and then Murdered by Decree, which won a lot of awards, and then Porky's. It's very, I've heard of Porky's, I don't know what it's about, but I've definitely heard that title. It's funnily enough, in the director's commentary of the DVD, Bob Clark and Peter Billingsley are talking about Porky's because that was one of the things, like, because Murdered by Decree was a very serious movie and like very like award, like centric movie kind of thing. 
And then like he did Porky's and I was like, oh, he sold out to do Porky's because it's like, you know, it's like a teen, you know, it's kind of like, it's like the 1980s version of like American Pie, basically, sort of. Thing. Oh, okay. Um, where it's like teens, but they're in, it's in the 50s and it's like, you know, teens like, you know, just running around. I mean, there's lots of like, you know, boobs in the movie, that kind of stuff. See. Okay. So like an exploitation movie, kind of a little bit, you could probably call it. But they joke about the fact that like the kids in Christmas Story would actually be the same age if they grew up that they are the, they would be the kids in Porky's like they aren't the same kids but like those would be the kids it's oh. like that same age it's like that same cohort as you move over because this movie's in the 40s and so 10 years later they'd be the kids in Porky's oh yeah so, yeah cool a Christmas story is told through a series of vignettes which are narrated by the main character as an adult that follow a larger story arc that may sound familiar to some people it actually is strongly cited as an influence on the Wonder Years, which uses that same idea of like looking back in time and then the mm-hmm. adult narrates the story. It's also very similar to Dylan Thomas's A Child's Christmas in Wales, both in the style with being a series of vignettes, but then also the way the movie ends also ends very similar to A Child's Christmas in Wales, which is awesome. You should listen to it. Um, it's readily available. If you're going to listen to it, listen to Dylan Thomas reading it because he is fantastic. It's like 19 minutes long. Don't watch any of the crappy movies that were made that were based on it. Just don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't. Just listen to the 19-minute audio. It's fantastic. The running time of a Christmas story is 94 minutes, so it fits that hour and a half slot that most movies try to hit back in the day. It costs $3.25 million to make, and a, this is not adjusted. So in 1981, it costs $3.25 million to make, and it had a U.S. box office of $20.64 million. Two million of that was actually made in the first weekend. Nice. Strangely, it came out November 18th and yet was out of theaters by the time Christmas came around. It was actually not playing at Christmas time. So, yeah, I feel like movies used to have a shorter run. Like they would just put them in theaters for a couple. And also when they were gone, they were gone. Right. There was no there was no place for them to go back then. So, yeah, you saw it in the theater and then, you know, we're talking like very early VHS, you know, this at this time, that wasn't really a thing. Cable channels weren't really that big yet. So yeah, right on the cusp of all that stuff. So yeah. So our players in order of appearance are. We have Ralphie as an adult narrating the story. And that is actually Gene Shepard himself doing the narration. He also has a sort of, I guess you'd call it cameo towards the end of the movie. He is the man who is standing in line for Santa. Nice. And then we have Ralphie Parker, who is credited as Ralphie. And that is Peter Billingsley, who, at least my age, most people probably know him, one from this. But then also he was Messy Marvin in the Nestle Quick commercials. And then he also was on Real People, which was a television show that was uh, kind of the progenitor to that kind of style. Like, you know, like, that's incredible, that kind of stuff. People was the original one. And he was on that for a little bit as well. Nice. uh, Many people auditioned for this role two of them were sean astin and will wheaton both auditioned for the role of ralphie parker oh cool so yeah yeah peter billingsley was actually bob clark's first choice but he thought he was too obvious and so they went through all this casting and then he went back and decided to take out peter billingsley to be <laughs> so yeah i mean sometimes you have to make sure you have to see what your options are before you realize that your first choice yeah. is actually the correct one so yeah that makes sense Billingsley also appeared as a kid in Punky Brewster, so people my age might have seen him on that. 
And he currently plays former Stark industry scientist William Ginter Riva in the MCU. So he was that role in the movie Iron Man and also Spider-Man Far From Home. And he played Ming Ming in Elf. And Ming Ming is the elf who comes to Buddy when Buddy's making the Etch-a-Sketches and like asks him how many he's made. And they have a conversation and Buddy's like, oh, I'm just, I'm the, you know, the worst. And he's like, no, Buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny muggins. And then, you know, he's also the elf that Buddy overhears talking about how they have to have people cover for him because he's slowing down production. So he has a pretty big role in that movie. And I was pretty surprised because when I saw the name Ming Ming, I was like, He's probably just some background guy, but yeah, he actually has a pretty big part in that. Yeah, I've never seen Elf because I'm not really a fan of um, what's his name, the star. I'm such a fan of him, I can't remember his name at the moment. So, uh, oh my god, Will Ferrell. Totally, Will Ferrell, yeah. yeah. What's funny is I, I said the same thing when that movie came out, and people were like, no, no, it's really good, and like I really love it now. I watch it pretty much every year, so yeah, it's a I fun one. It, but yeah, yeah, he actually is in a lot of Christmas things just because of a christmas story like mm-hmm. people haven't come on as like a as a like cameo right because it's peter billingsley kind of thing so yeah yeah a little small part so and then we have randy parker who's randy ralphie's little brother mm-hmm. and he is played by ian petrella and then we have flick who's one of randy's friends and he is played by scott schwartz who people probably know also he was in the movie toy with Richard Pryor. He plays this rich kid who gets Richard Pryor as a present, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we have a character named Schwartz who's not really Yeah, which is kind of confusing. We have Scott Schwartz <laughs> playing Flick, and then we have a character named Schwartz who's also another one of Ralphie's <laughs> friends, and he is played by R.D. Robb. And then we have Mr. Parker, Ralphie's dad, who is credited as the old man. The old man, Darren McGavin. Yep. Darren motherfucking McGavin. Good old Darren McGavin. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, it was really weird seeing him walk on a screen because he's like carrying a newspaper and you just think it's Kolchak, but it's not. It's not Kolchak. Yeah, this is about nine years after Kolchak, the Night Stalker TV series, 11 years after the first Night Stalker movie. So, yeah, he's actually 61 in this movie. Okay. Uh, which means he actually technically could be Ralphie's grandpa as far as age goes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look it, though. No. And then we have Ralphie's mom, Mrs. Parker. Yep. And she is played by Melinda Dillon. She was nominated for a Best Supporting Actress for both Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Absence of Malice. In the former, Close Encounters, she also played a mom. She is the mother of the child who's abducted by aliens in Close mm-hmm. Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. Then she also played a mom in Harry and the Hendersons. That's three moms. And then one of her most recent credits was in an episode, the final episode, actually, of Picket Fences, where she prominently plays a mom. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She made a career out of being a mom. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she had other roles, but. Yeah. She had, yeah, has had lots of other roles. So, yeah. And then we have Ralphie's teacher, Miss Shields. Yep, and she's played by Teddy Moore, who was actually in Bob Clark's Murder by Decree in 1979, and then was also in two episodes of Friday the 13th, the series, I found out. So, interesting. Oh, nice. I've talked about that several times, sometimes when we talk about um, Supernatural. Yeah. And then we have Scott Farkas. Who, honestly, I always thought was called Scott Farkas. I did not know his name was Scott. It's S-C-U-T. But it is. That's what he's credited as. He is played by Zach Ward, 
He also appeared in one episode of Friday the 13th, the series, and in one episode of Forever Night. And other stuff as well. But yeah. Those were the, those were the, you know, we, we tend to hit certain things. So well, it's just things like that stand out, I think. And so yeah. those were the things that we're like looking at the page yeah. going, oh, certain I things know what ping that is. the I want to rewatch mm-hmm. radar. So, yeah. Like if you were in psych, it's going to get mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Leverage. Leverage. No one has been in leverage so far. I'm waiting for the day that I get to talk about leverage. Okay. It'll happen. (laughs) I mean, on on purpose, not just because I randomly bring it up. (laughs) Well, maybe someday, Tori. Maybe someday. Someday I'll get my chance. I'll be like, oh my God, damn, this guy was in leverage. And then we have Grover Dill. Yep. He's played by Yano Anaya. And then we have some additional uncredited roles. So Lee Brown who we mentioned is Jean Shep's real-life wife and is actually has some screenwriting credit for this movie. She appears as the woman with the man in line for Santa, and so she actually plays the wife of a character played by her actual husband while they're waiting for Santa. Nice. And then Bob Clark appears as Swede, who is one of the Parker's neighbors. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a good cameo. Yeah, it is a good cameo. It's a pretty good scene. All right, so let's get into it. So, of course, the movie opens and you get, you know, Metro Golden Mayor Presents, a film from the works of Gene Shepard. And then we have this nice Christmas music playing. It's actually Deck the Halls, but it's like instrumental. But we get the little fa la 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 la, that kind of stuff. And then, boom, it's a Christmas story. And then with the Christmas music playing, we get a shot of like a daytime snowy Cleveland street with houses and there's cars. And for some reason, I thought this movie took place in the 60s or 70s. I don't know why I thought that. I have no reason to have thought that, but I did. And so then when I saw these cars that are like 1930s, 1940s cars, I was like, whoa, this takes place way earlier than I thought. Yeah, And Cleveland Street is the street that our characters live on. Yes. Which gets confusing because it's actually filmed in Cleveland at some point. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's not yeah. a snowy Cleveland Street. It is no, Cleveland it is Street. Cleveland Street. street. That they live on. Yes. yes. And then it's nighttime in downtown Holman. And we see all these people going up to this big store window at Higby's. It's a big department store. And they have this amazing display that they do every year for Christmas. Obviously, the display changes every year. So everyone comes to see it. And this one has a bunch of toys and a bunch of like Raggedy Ann dolls and some really cool looking stuff and like a train on a track that's going through there. And then it's got the best toy of all, according to Ralphie, which is a Red Rider BB gun. Mm -hmm. And he's very, very into staring at it through the window. That is the gift he wants most for Christmas. Mm hmm. I think it's kind of cool because like we get we get the we get the Cleveland Street in daytime and then that's when we first like see Ralphie right and him and his brother Randy come running out of their house and they meet up with their friends and they're running down the street and then when we transition to nighttime it's Ralphie and his brother Randy and his friends and they're getting off the bus because they're actually coming downtown to go look at the store window so it's kind of like kids were just allowed to hop on the bus and head down <laughs> down that was that's kind of cool i thought and then yeah. they're all like looking at the randy's got like his face all pressed against the glasses and nose is all like looks like a pig that's all pushed up against the glass and <laughs> smearing his face all over it looking at the toys and stuff so yeah did you have a store like that when you grew up that would do like the like the holiday displays where like all the whether it be like a toy store or just like like a department store that would do like the fancy window displays for the holidays did you guys have that 
in yeah i mean tahoe? not in lake tahoe lake tahoe didn't really have big department stores they still don't really we had like kmart that i worked at when i was a teenager but we would go to the mall in santa rosa pretty much every year and so there were like usually big window displays and like a big santa display there and then also we would go like christmas shopping in reno and there was like a big mall there and so they would have lots of like you know the big toy store display and stuff like that okay because yeah, where I grew up in Hanford, in Hanford, California, not Hanford, Washington, I did not grow up in a toxic waste area. Hanford, California, the downtown, it was a very small town. Like when I was mm-hmm. born, I think the town was like 25,000 people. But like the little downtown stores, a big string of them would have like their windows would be like displays of like almost similar to this, like with the snow and like big train draining across the windows and like little animatronic, you know elves and animals and stuff like that and that was also like the, the street that like the christmas parade would go down to oh so nice it was kind of very similar to this and then when my wife and i moved up here to portland as adults the fred meyer building which was actually where the macy's used to be in oh, downtown okay. portland would also have like like that kind of stuff they had like penguins and all that kind of stuff like animatronic so it was kind of nice like it was a nice little transition to like that's what i grew up with and then i moved here as an adult mm-hmm. and that was also i mean it's not there now but yeah, downtown Seattle, at least, I mean, I haven't been to downtown Seattle during Christmas in a while, but when I first moved here, the Nordstrom's and the Bon Marche, which is now a Macy's, would both have massive window displays, too, that would change mm. every year. And Nordstrom's would build, like, the Santa house, like, outside, so it was kind of, like, oh, coming wow. off the building, but it would be, like, outside, and then, you know, we'd go in to get inside it, but, like, it would, like, stick out, so <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of Christmas stuff going on in downtown Seattle. <laughs> it's pretty. Oh, wow. It's pretty. And they would put like lights in Westlake Park and have the carousel going during the holidays. They have like a, they put a carousel there that's not normally there. Anyway, yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat. Cool. And then Bellevue, if you want to go to the Rich Person Mall, does like fake snow every like hour, like inside. And they have like this Christmas parade thing they do. But if you're like shopping there at night, like in the evenings, they start dropping fake snow every hour. It's weird. But oh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if you can't get enough snow in Washington, you can just go to the Bellevue Mall, Bellevue Square, and they'll they'll rain snow down on you. Fake snow will come up later when we're talking yeah. about some stuff about the movie. Yeah. Huh. I I just have a thing where anytime I know it's a town and it's like a fancy town, kind of like from what I understand in Washington, but anytime someone says Bellevue, I just think of like like insane asylum, like kind of like <laughs> hospital because of like television in New York and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. No, Bellevue's Bellevue is like where drop them it, off at Bellevue. So yeah. Bellevue butts up right against Redmond where Microsoft is. And oh. so it's like literally there's, I mean, I used to live in Bellevue, like three blocks from the Microsoft campus. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of rich people. Live there. Okay. And there yeah, are some just... really massive mansions and they have like these hillside. Ma- I used to cat sit there. So I used to cat sit for oh. rich people in their mansions. And my job was like, when they were on their three week European vacation for the holidays, I would be going to their house every day to like feed their cats and stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. So a lot of cool houses. There are a lot of cool houses there. Speaking of houses. So then we transfer back to Ralphie's house and Ralphie is laying in his bed. And he's just still just dreaming about that Red Ryder BB gun. And he's trying to figure out how he's going to manage to get one for Christmas. And then his mom calls him down for breakfast. And then he and his brother have a little fight. And then Ralphie slips into his parents' bedroom. And he's got, like, his copy of Boy's Life. And on the back of it, has got a big ad for a Red Ryder BB gun. So he, like, tucks it into her magazine so that she'll find it when she goes to look at her look magazine. So he's sneaky. 
And then they head downstairs for breakfast. And then the old man shows up. He's got he's reading his newspaper, talking about sports. And his wife kind of doesn't know really what's going on, but she's like, that's nice, dear. You know, just kind of <laughs> like whatever. And then he talks about some dude who swallowed a yo-yo. And she's like, oh, it's so silly what they put in the newspapers. Like, what are you talking about? That's real news. That's not just <laughs> political stuff. That's good stuff, right? So even though it's like silly, he thinks it's new. And also we get a nice little cold check thing with the news. It's news. So that's nice too. Uh-huh. And then he's doing his crossword puzzle because he does these crossword puzzles that give out prizes. And he's doing one about the great characters of literature. And one of the questions is, what was the name of the Lone Ranger's nephew's horse? His wife knows it's Victor. He's very impressed that she knows. Mm-hmm. She is very confused that that's part of the great characters literature. But anyway, the grand prize is $50,000. Whoa, whoa. Which in, if that money was now, that, but it's just shy of a million dollars. It's oh my gosh. Money. Yeah. It's like $987,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Inflation people kind of get you. Yeah. But Ralphie's just sitting there eating his breakfast and he's trying to figure out like how he's going to get this Red Rider BB gun. And so he blurts out that one of his friends saw grizzly bears near the candy store. And all his family is just like, (laughs) what? And he realizes he overplayed his hand. And so then he tries to backtrack. and He's like, dad, you'll never guess that I got you for Christmas. And his dad is like, a new furnace. Because his dad apparently has battles going with the furnace and then like she's you know the mom is like you guys need to hurry up and finish eating you're late for school and the dad has to like i'm gonna be late too so he goes and he leaves heads outside and then his mom asks ralphie what he would like for christmas and he just blurts it out like he realizes later that he made a mistake but he's like i want a carbon action red rider blah, 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 blah. you know just like all the specifications and she's like oh you'll shoot your eye out and he's like, oh, no, because he's not going to get a BB gun because if he gets one, he's going to shoot his eye out. Yep. So, yeah, I thought him placing the ad in his mom's magazine was really clever. That was smart. Mm-hmm. I was never that tactical as a kid. <laughs> I was always just like, I want this toy. <laughs> Please get me this toy. I will mm-hmm. be very disappointed if I don't have this toy. Santa needs to bring me this toy. Yeah. I also I never wanted a BB gun. But I also was not a, a BB gun is not a toy. It's <laughs> you know personal protection. I mean, yeah, yeah. So um, my mom didn't let us have anything that shot projectiles of any kind. So that was like the rule. We weren't allowed to have toys or guns that shot things out. Uh, we did eventually convince her to let us have Nerf guns with like little Nerf darts, and then we would have Nerf darts all over the house because people would shoot them and never pick them up, and they'd be like behind the couch and stuff. So I'm sure she loved that. But yeah, that was the only thing we were allowed to have. Yeah, I'm the oldest child, so I'm, I was not allowed to even have, like, cap guns because guns mm-hmm. were bad. My brother, however, as the second child, had, like, cap guns and just, yeah, he got everything. So I, I got that first kid syndrome of, like, no, you can't have this. And then the second kid <laughs> just was like, whatever, let the second kid have whatever, fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get a daydream sequence where Ralphie is imagining these robbers coming over the fence. And they're like sneaking up to the house and his family's all scared and they're all huddled together going, oh, no, what are we going to do? And Ralphie's like, you know, I'll save you, whatever. And he's got the BB gun looking out the window. And then these robbers are wearing like striped black and white shirts and black pants, like very like cartoon robber look. Yeah, they got little domino masks on. Mm-hmm. 
And they come into the yard and he starts like firing the gun and they're like, oh no, it's a Red Rider BB gun. And then they like, like <laughs> crawl back over the fence and are like, ah, retreat, retreat. So, and then you know, he shot a couple of them dead and that's his fun little fantasy sequence. Yeah. His family doesn't know. I mean, they get him a BB gun, they'll be safe. They don't yeah. Understand. He'll be able to protect them, yeah. I guess. I like the fact too, that they do the little, they actually give them the people little X's for eyes after he shoots them. They're like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's really cute. Like, yep. Yeah. So he gets busted out of his daydream sequence, though, because the old man comes back in and he is cursing because the Oldsmobile has frozen up because wintertime, right? And it's old. And so he's like getting some hot water to, you know, loosen up the Oldsmobile and he's just cussing, cussing, cussing. Not like real cussing. It's like faking cussing. So, but it's supposed to be like real cussing. And the mom's like, little pictures. Like, hey, stop cussing. The kids are still here kind of thing. And then as he's doing that, there's this noise that almost sounds like an animal growl at first. Mm-hmm. And then you realize it's the furnace and it's like, and then like smoke starts coming up from the vent in the kitchen. And he's like, it's a clanger. And he runs down. And then we get narration about how like his dad is like known across the Midwest as like one of the most famous furnace battlers of the world. And then also that his dad is very well known for, weaving tapestries of foul language as he battles the furnace mm-hmm. and then he's like for christ's sake open up the damper will you who the hell turned it down all the way again and we found like the mom had turned the damper down on the furnace and so she's like trying to reach over there and fix it and he's just cursing 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 <laughs> it's great yeah yeah and then apparently that gets sorted out and we see the mom getting randy ready for school and so she's like pulling the snowsuit on over his clothes and it's, it seems like it's a pretty big project because she's like got to get his arms in and then got to get his boots on. And by the time she's done, he stands up and he's still wrapped in these layers of like winter clothing that he can't lower his arms. And so he's like, she like pulls a scarf on his mouth because he keeps trying to say something. And he's like, I can't lower my arms. And she keeps trying to push his arms down, but they just pop back up. And she's like, well, just lower your arms when you get to school. It'll be fine. Yep, wraps him back up. He's crying, crying, crying. (laughs) And then we see the kids walking to school and Flick and Schwartz come up and they come out of their houses and they start talking about how like one of them heard that if you put your tongue on a light pole, it'll stick to it in the winter. It'll like freeze to it. Mm-hmm. and then randy falls down and he can't get up and so ralphie like runs over and like has to help him up because like he keeps trying to like roll but he can't like move his arms and so he can't move his to, body yeah <laughs> has to, like help him he's up. like the michelin man he's like he's just like oh like yeah yeah i know i mean i grew up in a ski town so i definitely had i've definitely worn like ski bibs and snow bibs and stuff over my clothes and like had to wear like a big jacket and stuff to go to school and i could never like I never lost motion in my arms, but I definitely feel the pain of having that many layers piled on you and you're just like can barely move and then you have to get in and out of the car and it's just such a hassle. Yeah. When Ralphie and Randy are coming out of the house to meet Flick and Schwartz too, you can still hear like the old man down in the basement like cursing at the (laughs) furnace. So he's, yeah. It's an ongoing battle. And then they get to school and the kids are passing around. I'm not exactly sure. I guess they're fake teeth. I don't know if they're supposed to be fake teeth. I don't know what they're supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, I don't know if they're I don't know if they're supposed to be wax teeth or if they're like, I mean, it's the it's supposed to be the 40s. So I don't think they're plastic, but they're like fake. Like now we'd probably call them like hillbilly teeth, like the whole like janky looking like fake teeth that you stick in your mouth and be all like, Ooh. yeah. 
kind of thing. Yeah. So they're all so they're passing, passing those, those around and they all put them on. And so when Miss Shields turns around, they're all like, Good morning, Miss Shields, and they're all wearing these fake teeth. And so she yeah. just kind of like stands up and has them come and they all walk up to the front of the room and they spit the teeth in her hand, which <laughs> <sighs> very glad I did not decide to become an elementary school teacher. Yeah. Oof. I don't think they spit the teeth in her hand. I think they pull them out and put them in her hand. They probably do, but they're still probably they, still covered in saliva. They're covered in yeah. their like, little saliva, though. And no, thank yeah. you. And she like dumps them into her drawer of confiscated stuff because clearly she has confiscated plenty of stuff. Yeah, there's like teeth chattering, like the googly eyeglasses, and just all kinds of like fake mice and spiders and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's recess time, and. Schwartz is talking with Flick because Schwartz is the one who was saying like, you know, my old man said if you stick your tongue to a light pole, it'll freeze. And Flick is like, your old man's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's like, I double dare you to do it. And Flick's like, no, I'm not going to do it. You're That's ridiculous. And then Schwartz is like, I double dog dare you. And then we get narration talking about how like there's like this etiquette that you have to do. It's very, you know, it's like almost like diplomacy kind of thing of how you do this kind of stuff. And then Schwartz apparently like breaks etiquette because he skips triple dare and goes straight to a triple dog dare you. And so like, there's no going back there. Flick has to do this or like his reputation will just be. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So he like sticks his tongue to the flagpole and it sticks. <laughs> he's stuck. And he's like, oh, oh no, it's stuck, it's stuck, it's stuck. And then the bell rings. <laughs> he's like, he's like, don't leave me guys. Don't leave me. And he's like, but the bell ring. <laughs> and so they all just run in to the classroom and leave Flick out in the, it's actually starting to snow now. And he's just out there like waving his arms. Like he's stuck to the flagpole. And then, so they're all sitting at their desk and Mrs. Shield is like, where's Flick? Has anybody seen Flick? He was at recess, wasn't he? And like, no one knows who Flick is apparently. And then one of yeah. the girls like points to the window. Mrs. Shield runs over the window and you see Flick just like standing there, like his arms <laughs> are waving around. He's just like stuck to the pole. She's like, Oh my god! And then, like, all the kids get up and run to the window. Mrs. Shields goes outside. Well, I should say all the kids run the window except for Ralphie and Schwartz. They just sit at their desk, like mm, mm, mm. So not <laughs> suspicious at all. They're the only ones no. that can get up. And then Mrs. Shields is out there, and then the fire truck pulls up, and one kid at the window is like, Oh wow, the fire department! And Ralphie's like, Oh no. And it's like, <laughs> it's the cops. He's like, Oh, great. And so the cops in the fire department. Manage. They, I think they just yank him off. Like they don't use like warm water or anything. Yeah, just, they like, just kind of pull him. <laughs> they just, like, they just him, him off. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, because then Ouch. Flick comes in and he's got like a big like wall of bandages on his tongue, and it's just like his tongue's all sticking out of his mouth, and it's got this big like thing stuck to it. And then like he's refused to say who made him do it, but Mrs. Shields knows that someone put him up to it, and so she gives a little speech about how like you know that the guilt you feel be worse than any punishment and they're like yeah right no it's, you know we know it's better not to get every caught. kid knows that's not true every kid <laughs> yeah. knows it's better to get caught is what ralph yeah. but she's standing than- right in front of schwartz and ralphie as she's doing her i think she probably knows i mean mm-hmm. obviously like they're the ones there's the two kids who didn't get up but anyway yeah so ralphie's as she's like saying like i don't know who did this and ralphie's all like looking around behind him like oh i wonder who did it yeah i don't know so <laughs> But then, so she finishes her little speech, and then she assigns them a Christmas theme. They're going to write an essay about what they want for Christmas. And Ralphie <gasps> thinks this is his way out. 
he's going to write such an awesome essay that Mr. Shields will like somehow it's going to work out. Like he'll be able to get his BB done because yeah, we don't know how this is supposed to work. He actually doesn't know either. He says like somehow it'll work. So. Yeah, I had some questions about his logic there. I'm like, I don't understand how your teacher liking your essay, unless maybe she tells his parents about this. Or maybe, essay he, and- you know, he'll come home with like an A plus and show it to his mom and then his mom will read it and realize like, wow, he did. I really should. Yeah. Yeah, he deserves. Yeah. He deserves you know, the or parent done. teacher conference or something. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe okay. she'll, she'll be so moved. She'll buy it for him. Like, yeah. Maybe. Knows? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yep. And so then the kids are walking home from school and we get introduced to Scott Farkas, who is the bully of the town. <laughs> and he has yellow eyes. So help me God, yellow eyes. And then he's got a little toady friend named Grover Dill. who's like a little tiny dude but it hangs out with the bully. So he gets to beat up people too. And then Randy gets knocked down. And so he just lays there and plays dead. And then Schwartz gets beat up. And I then love Randy playing dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's clever. clever kid. And then they throw Schwartz back and I'm like, who's next? And they all scream and run. And so, yeah, <laughs> yep. but there is a town bully. Scott yeah. Farkas. Well, I always thought it was Scott Farkas, honestly. So, but apparently it's Scott. Who knew? <laughs> You learn something every year. Yeah. Read the credits and you learn stuff. Crazy. So Ralphie gets home and he checks the mail because weeks ago he sent away for this decoder pin and it hasn't come yet. So oh man. Kind of bummer. Yeah. I remember ordering stuff in the mail and be super. We didn't have a mailbox in front of my house because I, I don't know, it was in a weird little town. Uh, so we had to go to the post office, but the post office oh. was like just a little it was basically like it wasn't a fully functional post office. The one that my mail was at, it was just like a bunch of mailboxes. So you would go in and like get your mail. And it was pretty much right next door to my street. So we could like go on our way home from school. We could like walk over there oh. and check the mail if we wanted. Um, but you couldn't just do it at your house. You had to like go to the next Yeah, everything over. that you cut coupons off for and mailed off was always like six to eight weeks for delivery. Uh-huh. Yeah. Six to eight weeks for delivery. Yep. So Ralphie writes his theme about what he wants for Christmas, which is, of course, a... Red Rider BB gun. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how it has a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. So it's got all these really handy features that'll obviously come in handy when he's using it to protect the home from robbers and villains. Yeah. And I like when he's when he's reading his sentence, when he reads that sentence that he wrote, he's like, Oh, that's good. He's like, Yeah, no, he's really proud of his writing. And then he also mentions that I don't think a football is a very good Christmas present, because I guess he has to like contrast it with other things he might get for christmas yeah, well you, you want to write a fool yeah you know yeah but you want to make all your points right like you know yeah, i can get this here's why i should have it and here are things that you know aren't that good yeah also you might i think that maybe but i disagree yes which is fair i mean i don't think i would have liked the football as a christmas present either as a kid no. so i get it it's also funny because this entire essay is like three sentences i know <laughs> It's so well written. It's such a clever argument for why he should have it. He's just very concise and efficient in his. Yeah. Yeah. And then the old man gets home and we learn that their hillbilly neighbors, the Bumpuses, have at least 785 dogs. Yeah. He calls smelly hounds. And we see like a gaggle of dogs like following. I want to call him Darren McGavin, but following Mr. Parker. You can following mr parker inside and like up on the porch and apparently he's the only person the dogs like so they just follow him around all the time and he manages to like shake them off and get inside 
and he starts announcing that he won. He won something. He got a telegram and he doesn't know what it is, but it's coming tonight. So he won some big prize and it's coming tonight. He's very yeah, apparently the telegram was late. So I guess it was dated saying the stuff's coming tomorrow, but the telegram was late. So it's actually coming tonight. Yeah. And he's so very happy. He let, he lets the dog, he like sticks his leg out the door and lets the dogs have a chew on his leg. And then, <laughs> yeah, he's excited. He's super excited. He thinks they might get a bowling alley, possibly. Oh, yeah. That no, guy in Terre Haute won a bowling alley. Yeah. And, and the wife is like, how would they deliver a bowling alley? And he's like, a deed, a deed. They've delivered a deed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. It was a fun conversation. I don't know. My grandma like... <laughs> used to enter all these contests, just like insane amounts of contests. I honestly, I think I got some of that from her. Like, she's also the one who bought lotto tickets. And I'm just like, yeah, oh. I gotta buy a lotto ticket because I can't win if I don't play, which is That's a terrible, true. terrible system, but true. <laughs> you know I mean, what happens? Is like, that is the, the truest statement that you could ever say about lotto tickets. It's like, you <laughs> will not win if you don't play. Yeah, so. you probably won't win if you play, but no, but you um, definitely won't if you don't. My grandma so. was so into contests and she occasionally won stuff, but it was always like really small, weird little stuff. I don't know. And she also got like 500 million catalogs because she would subscribe oh, yeah. to the catalog to enter the contest because she thought it would help. And so we ended up with like five. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. Kind of reminded me of my grandma. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, come on, Ralphie, let's go get something to eat. Getting rich is hard work or hungry work or something <laughs> like that. He just figures he's like, life is set now. He's going to, he won a major award. He's set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we see the Parkers around the dinner table and it looks like they're having meatloaf and mashed potatoes, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're all seated there except for the mom who is of course going around serving everybody. Yeah. And then she sits down and we learn that Randy has not voluntarily eaten in three years because yeah, he's just playing with his food. Yeah, He's just, yeah. He's like building a mashed potato volcano and he's just, I also, I would say he's like, yeah, it's very, um, I wonder if that's like, because she was in close encounters and so oh. I wonder if that's intentional with the mashed potatoes. Cause you know, she plays the mom with the kid gets abducted and then Richard Dreyfus, he's the one who's like, like getting like the, whatever you want to say, like the, alien messages or something and so he builds the big mashed potato mountain that the spaceship is going to land mm-hmm. on so yeah. i wonder if that's a reference to this too it might bit. be yeah i wouldn't be surprised and then the father asks the mom for more so like she's about to eat and he's like can i have some more so she has to get up and get him more because i don't this is the 40s i guess and men can't <laughs> get up and get their own food off the stove for some reason well he's reading his paper his hands are kind of full he's reading his paper <laughs> he's trying to eat dinner I would not have done well in any of these households with the traditional. I would have been like throwing mashed potatoes in their faces. Been like, no, get your own. Want potatoes? I'm going to dump this pot of potatoes over your head. Anyway, you should all come to my house for dinner. In fairness, he wanted more red cabbage, (laughs) not mashed potatoes. Oh, true. True. So she gets him, you know, the seconds and then finally sits down and then tries to get Randy to eat. Well, and then she sits down and then and then and then Ralphie wants some. She has to get up and give Ralphie some more stuff too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Randy doesn't want to eat his food, so she tries to get him to eat. And so she's like, and the dad is getting agitated, you know, because the kid won't eat and he's he doesn't want to be bothered by it. And he's trying to This is gonna get a plunger and like push the food into his mouth. Yeah. So he kind of gets kind of like mm. and so the mom's like, no, no, let me take care of this. And she's like, honey, how does a piggy eat in a trough? How does a piggy eat? And then the kid just starts like putting his face in the plate to show her how a pig eats and just like 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess it works. You do what you have to when you're a parent. I don't have kids. My cat is exactly like Randy, though. He won't voluntarily eat. I have to, like, (laughs) bribe him and try and, like, put stuff on his food and, like, put plates in front of him and then, like, microwave it. Now I have to heat up his food, which is smells so gross. I mean, have you tried asking him, like, whose mommy is a little piggy? I have not, but I don't think he cares. Maybe he'll just start snorting and, like... Randy yeah. was into it. Randy was having the time of his life. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, I feel like he was making a mess more than he was eating, but oh, I guess he was oh, probably yeah. getting some residual food. Yeah, I, yeah there was some, there was some food going <laughs> in his mouth at some point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I relate to that on that level just because I'm always trying to get my cat to eat. And it's just my other cat will eat anything literally at any time. So I don't have that problem. But the other cat locks just like not, doesn't want to eat food. So yeah, his mom is just. Do? She's so happy. She's just laughing and she thinks it's oh, adorable. Yeah. I'm like, who's mommy's little piggy? Oh, yeah. um, Ralphie and dad are just disgusted. Yeah, um, I personally think it's kind of gross, but it's not my kid. So yeah. I probably. Like I said, we... Randy's having a good time. He's all. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's giggling he's... and laughing. And then there's he's a knock fun. on the door. <gasps> Ooh, knock. Yeah. And they all kind of just look at each other. Keeps knocking. The dude actually has to knock for quite a while. They take a while to like, <laughs> it's here. And they all jump up and run to the door. And so there's a delivery man there. He's got a sign for it and he's asking what it is. And the delivery man doesn't know what it is, but it's a huge crate. It looks like it could be like a coffin or something almost. And they wheel it into the house and they he's like, thanks guys. And they leave. And then he's all like, has in big letters on it, it says, Fragile. <laughs> but actually, it says, this is fragile, but yeah, his wife. I think that's fragile. He he figured it was Italian, so he thought it was some fancy yeah. Italian thing. Which but I've heard that joke before, and they probably got it from this movie. Like I've probably possibly. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know where it originated from. But yeah, yeah, it could be an old joke that they just used for this too. Who knows? But yeah, this is where I heard it the first time. So he has Ralphie go and get the crowbar and the hammer. And so Ralphie comes back with the tools and he pops the crate out. And then it's just full of like the stuffing stuff, like almost like straw or something. And so he's like, it could be anything. So he climbs inside and just is like throwing the straw out. And like at one point, like the wife is like, maybe they forgot it. And he's like, no, it's in here. And then he pulls out. And he's like, oh, do you know what this is? And he pulls out a leg. Hmm. And she's like, what is that? He's like, it's a leg, like a statue. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, and then Ralphie's like, yeah, statue. Because it is a woman's leg Mm -hmm. in like a fishnet stocking. And there's a little bit of butt cheek at the top. Oh, there's a little butt. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of butt cheek at the top. And then he's digging in there for some more. And he's like, do you know what this is? It's a lamp. Because he finds a big lampshade that would look almost like a, like a little like dancer skirt kind of thing with like a little fringy stuff mm-hmm. like a little fl- almost like a flapper i guess almost kind of thing a little fringy stuff and so it's a lamp he climbs out he has the wife hold it he's like what a great lamp and <laughs> the narration tells us like the old man was like just overcome by art and ralphie keeps trying to like fill up the statue the lamp and his mom has to keep pulling his hands away because it's like all going up and filling the leg and so obviously the dad wants to plug it in so he wants to put it right. You know, he knows just where to put it. It's going to go right in the front window. Mm-hmm, Mama's like, of course. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So he's trying to plug it in. And of course, the light socket place has like 
827 like plugs stuck in it uh-huh he's trying to plug it in it sparks and there's fire and he's like Pfft. and it's just just one too many which i have to say pretty much any time my wife and i have to plug something in in our house um one of us will say just one too many it's just like one of those <laughs> things we always just like it's just one too many and so you know he gets unplugs he's figuring out where all the cords go and so he plugs it in and it's like a lights up and he's like oh it's gorgeous so he wants to run outside and see what it looks like from outside and so he runs outside he's telling her to like you know move it over a little bit and then like all these people like are you know they're walking down the street and his neighbors walk up and they're like what's that and he's like it's a major award and he's like <laughs> what you mean you won that and he's like yeah this is a major award and he's like he's like how'd you win that and he's like mind power swede mind power <laughs> um it's another thing i say a lot mind power and swede is bob clark mm-hmm. so yep and he's like you gotta see how it looks and like all like people like cars are stopping in the street and like, uh-huh. a big crowd and they're all just staring at it and of course the mom is like super embarrassed she's oh she's mortified yeah mortified. so yep and of course ralphie keeps trying to fill it up as like everyone's looking at it and so she finally distracts him because she's like you know what time it is and it's 6 45 it's time for little orphan annie on the radio and so that's pretty much the only thing that could like distract ralphie away from the soft glow of electric sex in the window as he says so turns yeah on the radio listens to little orphan annie and brought to you by ovaltine and then the old man is outside, and apparently, like, when she distracts the kids to go listen to the radio, she turns the lamp off, and then he's outside. He's like, you turned the lamp off. And he's, like, banging on the window, and she turns the lamp off. So, yeah. Yeah. So It's a great scene. It's pretty funny. Darren McGavin well, is just awesome. He's great. He's really yeah. good. I love when he's with the neighbors. He's like, it's an award. <laughs> They're like, an award? He's like, yeah, you know, an award. And they're like, what? But, yeah, he's yeah. Like, How'd you win that? Mind power, sweet. Mind power. Yeah. And the lamp is actually one of two things I knew about this movie before watching it for this. A roommate of mine actually had like a tree ornament of the lamp at one point. So I remember seeing it. I knew it was from Christmas Story. I'd also seen it in adverts for the Christmas Story musical that came through Fifth Avenue a few mm-hmm. years ago. They did like a musical of it and I didn't see it. So I, I but I saw the like the lamp. Yeah. I mean, you can buy you can buy replicas. It's just yeah, that's like yeah. probably the one thing that pretty much everyone knows. Yeah. And I had totally forgotten about it, but then the crate arrived and I was like, oh, it's the lamp. It's the lamp. As soon as the crate arrived, I was like, that's where the lamp comes in. Cause I could not figure out how this lamp fit into this movie. So now I'm curious, I know. So you said the lamp is one of two things. What's the other mm-hmm. thing? The other thing was a kid sticking his tongue to the flagpole. I knew. Oh, that. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So those are the two okay. things I knew about this movie. And that was, I, was I thinking didn't like, even I was know think- about was- the BB gun. Like I didn't even know about that. Yeah. I was so. thinking like flag, like tongue on the flagpole, the lamp. There's a part coming up that has to do with changing a tire. And then the Santa scene are probably like the things that most people know from the movie. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those were the two. That's what I knew. No, nah, but yeah, it's a good scene. Yeah. So on the way to school, Ralphie and friends are chased by Scott and Grover. And it's like at high speed. So we see them just like racing around. And then we get to school and it's time for them to turn in their themes. So everyone's like filing up to the front desk to give Miss Shields their themes. And Ralphie hands his over and he starts daydreaming about her, 
about Miss Shields, like grading the papers. And she's just like going through the themes and they're not very good. And she's like, C, B, you know, this F, you know, F, she's just not, not impressed. None of these are impressive. These themes are just not good this year. And then she gets to one in like this red folder and it's Ralphie's and she starts reading it. And she just, she's so enthralled by his prose and his argument. And just, it's a work of literature. And she just can't believe how brilliant this theme is. And so she's like, hey, plus, plus, plus. She actually gets up and she starts writing it on the board in front of everyone. She's kind of like dancing, like hop skipping while she's writing the plus, plus, plus. Mm -hmm. And then Ralphie is still standing at her desk and she's like, Ralphie, Ralphie you can sit down and the other kids in the class kind of laugh at him because he's just been staring at nothing for like who knows how long just imagining this amazing sequence yeah it's, she's like all in like victoria she's got like a big hat with like feathers and stuff and mm-hmm. she's like oh it's like all the super like dramatic music of like everyone's of you know her life's work is ruined but then she comes across this one and she gets like she doesn't even stop at the chalkboard she's just like she keeps going she's writing like pluses on the walls all the kids <laughs> are carrying ralphie up like yay and he's like all doing the congratulations thing and yeah it's pretty over the top yeah yeah it's definitely a nine-year-old dreaming he, about. he definitely wrote the best essay ever in his mind yeah. Yeah. And then on the way home from school, we see them get chased again by the bullies. And it's again at high speed, just kind of in the yeah. other direction. So I like how they play them at high speed. And you can still have Randy who's like all like, hey, guys, wait for me, wait for me. So, <laughs> yeah. So then they're outside and the dad, Mr. Parker, is trying to get them all in the car. And he's like, come on, hurry up. We're going to miss all the good trees, which if you've ever been anywhere with me, I am 100 percent that person. Like, I'm like, we have to get there. We're going to miss all the good stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been, be I think one reason why I love this movie so much and one reason why, like, I mean, I, obviously I love Darren McGavin, but like this character of like the old man is like, I was the old man since I was a kid, basically. <laughs> I, I am this character. I'm sure if you talk to my cats, they'll be like, that's dad. That is dad 100%. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm not him in a lot of ways, but in this this way, I'm definitely that person who, like, if we're leaving, I'm like, probably almost every way. There's probably not something that happens in this movie that you'd be like, yep, that's Nick. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. So how much of that is art imitating life and life imitating art? I don't know, but yeah. You're like 80% this guy and 20% Kolchak. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Being 20% Kolchak would be just... That would, I'd be so amazed if I was 20% Kolchak. He's pretty, he's pretty cool. Kolchak's a cool dude. So as they're getting in the car, the wife is like, oh, I have to go back in. And she like rushes back in. And we see the leg lamp is still prominently in the front window. Mm-hmm. She turns it off and she comes back out and she's like, don't want to waste electricity, you know. Um, even though every other light in the house is still on. Yeah, we pull back at every other light in the house. Like upstairs, lights are on. And yeah, he's all like, do what it electricity. Yeah, he's not happy about the lamp. Being no, but he wants to go get a good Christmas tree. So he's not going to fight about it right now. I mean, maybe, but yeah. not going to go in and turn it back on. Yeah. So they get to the Christmas tree lot and they're looking around for a tree. And the guy shows them this kind of dinky tree. And he's kind of like, eh. And then they find like a good tree that they really want. And the guy's like kind of like haggling for the price. And then Mr. Parker is just kind of like to his wife, like they're talking about the price. And he's like, you know, I saw these really good fake trees and kind of hinting that maybe he'll just go get a fake one that they can reuse every year. And that convinces the guy to like offer to like tie it to the car and like 
give them some kind of discount. So I thought that was good. It was a good little negotiation. Yeah, our narration talks about how the old man is like would like fit in like in a like Middle Eastern market or something like that. He was like a king haggler. So yeah, I mean it was a yeah. smart move though to be like, oh, you know, I've heard about these uh fake trees we can go get at the department store. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> So they're in the car on the way home and they're singing jingle bells and having a good time. And then their tire blows out. Dad gummit blowout. Yep. And so Mr. Parker gets out and he tells his wife to time him because he's going to beat his record. Because <laughs> something happens long enough that he has a record. So yeah, he goes well, outside. Well, he, pictures, he pictures himself like in the Indy 500, according to the narration. So he thinks yeah. like he would be in the pit cruise, right? Yeah. So. And so he goes out there and he starts changing the tire. So they're sitting in the car waiting for the dad to change the tire. And the mom suggests that Ralphie go outside and help his dad. And Ralphie thinks that's a huge deal. Yeah. So Ralphie goes out because he's never been asked to help his dad do anything before. Mm -hmm. So he goes out, goes around, and the old man is like, what are you doing out here? He's like, mom said I should come help you. And he's like, oh, she did, huh? All right, hold this. So he has him the hubcap to hold the hubcap. And so Ralphie's like holding it. But then like he's just holding it like he's holding it. And so the man's like, no, 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 no. And Rat Trap, hold it, turn it, turn it this way. Hold it so I can put the bolts in it. And so then he's putting the bolts in it. And he's like, yeah, we're doing it. Ah. And he's taking the bolts off. And then he's like, we got it. And he finishes doing a, a twist on the thing. And he moves his hand. The dad does. And it hits because Ralph is just like holding the hubcap out. Mm-hmm. And so his dad hits the hubcap. And we see the bolts just fly up in the air. And they're like silhouetted across the sky and they disappear. And then we close up on Ralphie and he's like, oh, fudge. And then <laughs> he finishes and says fudge. But he didn't say fudge. He said the uh-uh. big daddy word, apparently. Mm-hmm. So then the old man is like, what did you just say? And he's like, oh. <laughs> Uh, 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 and he's like, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> and so he's go get in the car. And then Ralphie's just sitting there, he's like, no, go, go get in the car, go get in the car. So he does. And so, yeah, Ralphie's gonna be in some serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things I like about this scene that are just, I don't know if this was in the script or if this is just Darren McGavin, but one, and one of them I actually said when Ralphie's holding it upside down, he's like, no, no, he calls him Rat Trap. Like, that's his little nickname for him instead of Ralphie, he calls him Rat Trap. But I was like, that's hilarious. I love that. It was wonderful. And then also, after he sends Ralphie in, he gets a little smirk on his face. Like, I don't know what that, but like, almost like that, like that's my boy or whatever. Just like, you know, like, he doesn't want his kid cussing, but also like, oh, he said his first F word. Yes. Like, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> this is kind of, it's just, he gets a little, he gets a weird little smirk on his face and he's like, and then he's like trying to do the car. And so then he finishes and of course it took him forever. Right. Cause he had to go find the lug nuts and everything. And so right. he gets in the car and the wife is all eight minutes. Cause he was trying to get four. And so then he's like upset because like she's teasing him and like Randy's actually even laughing too. Like it took so long. And so it's like, do you know what your son just said? She's like, no. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what he just said. And then Randy's like leaning in. And he's like, Randy, get back. So Randy leans back <laughs> and he's like whispers in the mom's ear. And she's like, ah, oh, <laughs> just like shrieking Ralphie. And then, yeah. So nah, not supposed to say that. So then we cut to the house. And we get some narration and we find out that Ralphie has a big bar of soap in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And he talks about like he over the years, he became like a like a connoisseur of soap flavors. Uh-huh. He's talking about some of them. But the one that he has in his mouth, no, it's Life Boy. And it's nasty. 
Mm-hmm. And so the mom is trying to find out like where he heard the word. And of course, like he, he learned the word from his dad, right? Narration that like he heard his dad says that word like 20 times a day. He's heard right. it every day of his life, but he's not going to, you know, so he panics and he says Schwartz. So his mom's <laughs> like, okay. And then she puts the bar so back in his mouth. He's like, oh, and then she goes and she gets on the phone and she calls Mrs. Schwartz. And she's like, hello, Mr. Schwartz. Do you know what Ralphie just said? She doesn't. And then she's like, whispers into the phone and then over the phone you hear like oh god not that <laughs> and then she's like and do you know where you heard it from and we hear the voice like well, probably from his father and she's like no he heard it from your son and then <laughs> over the phone we hear like what 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 and then we hear like schwartz just getting the beating of his life and he's like uh-huh. mama what did i do we hear like ah and like the mother's like it sounds almost like a Monty Python skit. Like she's just like just wailing on Schwartz. And so yeah, so Schwartz gets his. And then he has to go to bed. And he's not allowed to read comic books, obviously. And then he's lying in bed crying. And he has another daydream sequence. I guess maybe this is a night dream sequence. He's not asleep. And in that sequence, he talks about how every kid has always believed that they'd be stricken blind before they were 21 and then their parents would be sorry and so like he shows up at the door and he's knocking on the door with a white cane and then like they open the door and they're like ralphie where you been how you doing and he comes in and the mom's like oh what's wrong and then he refuses to tell him what's wrong and then they're like he's blind and then he announces that it's soap poisoning and they're like oh no what do we do and then like Darren McGavin's all like, I told you not to use life, boy. And then he's like all like, Mm-mm, just big eyebrows because like, aha, they got theirs. And then like we come back to real life and he's, even though he's got tears in his eyes still, um, he's smiling because he's like, yeah. Maybe <laughs> blind. I don't know if that'd be that great, but yeah. Yeah. yeah he's got like a little tin cup looking for money. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So then we get the whole like Skuck and Grover chasing the kids to school in the high speed. You know, that's happening every day, clearly. Pretty much. And yeah. then everyone puts a gift on Miss Shields' table for Christmas, I'm guessing. It must and, just be the last day of school, I'm guessing, maybe or something. Yeah. Or before holiday break, probably. Yeah. yeah. And you know, everyone, they're little gifts or little tiny things. And she's just like, thank you, thank you. And then Ralphie puts an entire fruit basket complete with a giant pineapple in it mm-hmm. on the desk, which it looks good. I'd be excited to get that fruit basket. Yeah. I'm wondering how he got that fruit basket though. Yeah. I don't know if he like convinced his parents to buy it or saved up allowance. I have no idea. Yeah. He probably could have bought a Red Rider BB gun with that money. I know. Yeah. It's pretty elaborate. And so she's kind of like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> And it can't be last day before break because they come back because they get their. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the, why they're doing presents there because then they, yeah, we, there's a couple, there's like an, at least one more day that passes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe right. it's present day, but whatever. So then, you know, yeah. Ralphie and his friends are chased by Scott and Grover at high speed on the way home and little Randy's there. And then when he gets home, he finds the decoder pin in the mail. It's in a big envelope. <gasps> he's really excited he's finally got this thing that he's been waiting and waiting for and he had to drink all this ovaltine to send away like the labels to send away for it or something i'm not exactly yeah. sure how it worked but it was clearly a long process and he finally has it so he's really excited that's a pretty good day 
Yeah. I mean, aside from, you know, the night before getting in trouble, but like, you know, some bribery for his teacher with the big fruit basket, make sure he gets a good grade on his theme. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a decoder pin. Yeah. 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 Good times. So he takes a decoder pin and he sits in front of the radio to listen to Little Orphan Annie and he's all excited. And the narrator on the radio is like talking and Ralphie's getting really impatient. He wants the show to be at the end because he wants to use his decoder pin. And then finally, the narrator's like, okay, members of the secret society, get out your decoder pins because we have a secret message from you. And this one's from Annie herself. It's a really (gasps) special, important message. So take it down. So set your pins to B2. So Ralphie sets his pin mm-hmm. and write this down. And he starts listing the numbers from the message. And Ralphie's like, okay, okay. And so he's really excited. So he takes his notebook with his numbers and his decoder pin into the bathroom, which is the only place where a nine-year-old boy can have some privacy, apparently. Yeah. And he's in the bathroom and he's trying to decode it. And at one point, Randy's trying to get in the bathroom to use it. And he's like, I'll be out in a minute. I'll be out in a minute. And he's decoding the message. And he's like, B... E, he's like, B, be sure. And he he gets through part of it. And he's like, this could be important. The whole fate of the world could hinge on this message. Mm -hmm. And he finally decodes it. And it says, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. And he's like, a crummy commercial, son of a bitch. (laughs) Which like, yeah, that's it. Like, they couldn't even come up with something (laughs) like... I don't know. Be sure to turn on your Christmas lights at 5 p.m. You know, anything like to make it feel like the kids are doing something is just like drink more Ovaltine, which I drank tons of to get this stupid decoder print. I'd be super bummed, too. <laughs> it's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that actually was a thing, though, like the Orphan Annie Secret Society was actually mm-hmm. a thing. And the ring is kind of funny because you don't like he gets his ring in the mail. But then when you see him actually like decoding it, it's all like worn and shit. And because they actually used like a real one, they actually use a 1940s. Apparently, they gave they did once every year. So there's like, like if you go and look like on eBay or whatever, there's like there's like once for like every year. But it was actually a real thing. Oh, nice. So yeah, so they actually used a real, and it's kind of cool too because I always just assumed it was just just a normal like offset cipher, right? Like you know it was like one two three four five, and then it was A B C D E, right? It was just like you turned it to B two, which would actually just be the normal letters because B is the second letter of the alphabet so it actually wouldn't be a cipher at all in that case but they actually did it's it's the letters and numbers are randomly as i i don't know if it's randomly but like they're not signed in sequence oh cool like one two three might be like z o r m right instead of like like abc yeah Yeah. so it's so it's a little bit more complex than just like a rotating cipher so it's kind of cool yeah that is cool I did a little bit of research on it. (laughs) Unfortunately, if those are the messages you're decoding, it's not that cool. But (laughs) yeah, the the concept is cool. But yeah, they used an actual 1940 Little Orphan Annie decoder pin for this scene. So, yeah. So, of course, he's super disappointed, right? And like, Mm -hmm. you know, now he realizes what the world is really like. And it's just like, he goes downstairs and mom's making red cabbage there is a little apparently un listening to the commentary this was not planned but because like randy's trying to get in the bathroom and like the mom is like hurry up randy's got to go and he's like well you hang on i'm busy i'll be right out and then when he finally like realizes what the message is he like gets up and leaves and randy comes in and like pulls down his pants and opens the toilet and then the next scene is ralphie opening a giant pot of red cabbage and so it's like 
the pot and the pot kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently they didn't plan that, but it's kind of like a little. It know. worked out, though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so like, you know, he's getting written like mom's still making dinner. So he like kind of sits down at the table and has like pours himself a glass of milk and sits down. And like the old man is like in the basement, just cursing away, working on the furnace. And then the mom, like she looks down because you can obviously hear like the dad cursing. And so she fills her little watering can and she's going to go water her plants in the house. And so she leaves. And then we hear this horrendous crashing noise. Uh oh. And then the dad comes running up and he's all covered in soot. And like he opens the door and like all this black smoke billows out of the basement. He's like, What was that? And Ralphie doesn't know. Ralphie just sitting at the table having some milk. And he's like, mm, No. And so dad runs into the living room. He's like, What broke? And she's just, the mom is just on her knees and she's sitting there. She's like, I was just watering my plants. And I don't know what happened. I broke your lamp. And he runs over and he's like, don't touch that. Man. He grabs it and he's got all the pieces of it. He's like, you are always jealous of this lamp. And she's like, what? Jealous of a lamp? <laughs> and then she's like, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. And so like, boom, it all comes out now, right? Boom. And he's like, get the glue. And she's like, we're all out of glue. And he's like, you used up all the glue on purpose. And then he's like, gonna go out and buy some glue and so he's like putting on his hat and he's trying to and he's just like not a finger and then he runs out the door so (laughs) and then we see him like he got some glue and he's like trying to put it together and the mom is in the background sitting there and he's like got it all and and, like the stockings were all ripped and Mm -hmm. torn and everything because like the lamp was all broken but he glued it all back together and then it looks pretty good um he makes one fatal mistake he doesn't let the glue set Mm -hmm. Because he goes, he puts the lampshade on, and it just crumbles. Uh-huh. The lamp. And so he picks up the pieces, and when it does, like in the background, the mom is laughing, and he turns around and she's like trying to act like he's not laughing. <laughs> and he picks up all the pieces, and he walks out the door, <laughs> and then the narration tells us that that night, apparently, the old man buried it in the yard by the garage, and that maybe even Taps was playing. He wasn't sure. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was oh, funny. Man. It was I a mean, this... funny couple dispute because, like, just the way they act is great. You used all the glue on purpose. Like, it's just yep. so good. Not a finger is another thing that comes up a lot in our household as well. So, <laughs> not a finger. So, um, yeah, this is, I mean, this could have all been resolved if he had like a Dean cave. Yeah. A know. place where he could have had his lamp and had his, yeah. So his art, which, by the way, I now so. know what the bunker is and where they got it. I'm now like on season nine I'm, and I now understand where the bunker came from. So I understand where oh, okay. Dean got his Dean cape. If anyone's curious, I now understand all of that. Cool. It all makes all right. sense. Sweet. All right. Nice to have that thread going through. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, it's just yeah. <laughs> keeping it real. Why aren't they in motel rooms anymore? Because they got a home base. Anyway, it's cool. So then. Flit gets beat up by Scott and Grover on the way to school. And then they get to school and Miss Shields is handing back their themes, which I mean, Ralphie knows he's going to get like an A++++ because obviously Mm -hmm. his is the best theme ever written. So he opens it up and he's all excited. And then he sees there's a C plus on the top. (gasps) It's like a C plus. And then even worse, he looks at the bottom 
and written in red pen, the teacher has written, you'll shoot your eye out. What? <laughs> so even his teacher thinks that a Red Rider BB gun is not a good present and he's going to shoot his eye out with it. Yeah, and he figures his mom must have got to Mrs. Shields because, like, yeah. Mrs. Shields, he looks up and, like, Mrs. Shields is, like, the Wicked Witch of the West and she's all, like, C plus, ha, ha, ha. And then he sees the Yoshosha out part and then his mom is right next to Mrs. Shields and she's dressed like, she's actually dressed like a prototype Harley Quinn. She's got, like, the little jester hat on. Mm-hmm. I've always been strangely attracted to the mom in this movie. Okay. And I think this scene actually may be part of that because the whole gesture thing, and I'm a big fan of Harley Quinn, and that may have been like related. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making connections that don't exist, but yeah. (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, so much for that plan. Yeah, so Ralphie's not having a great day, obviously. No. Because his theme was not taken well, and all these adults don't want him to have his BB gun, which is a bummer. So he's walking home and he gets hit with a snowball in the face. Oh. Yeah, not good. And he looks up and obviously Scott and Grover are there and they're mocking him, making fun of him. And so like he takes off his glasses and he's just not feeling good. And then all of a sudden, like Scott is like teasing him and Rafi just snaps. He loses it completely Mm -hmm. and he just starts beating the crap out of scott farkas just cursing Mm -hmm. he's swearing he's punching he's just on top of him and just wailing on him yeah Yeah. and so randy like sees the glasses on the ground grabs them and then goes and gets their mom and like ralphie's still hitting him and then the other kids are watching and they see his mom kind of appear on the edge of like near the fence and they're just like ralphie ralphie they're trying to get his attention and get him to stop but he's just he's in the zone and he's so he just can't stop so yeah and he's just cussing a stream uh-huh. stream stream just stream constant stream, profanity yeah well he's he him. talks about like he was speaking in tongues so yeah. yeah and so his mom finally you know gets him to stop and he is now in big trouble oh yeah he is crying and so they get home and like all the kids are like get him they're like ralphie get him hit him hit him they're like just egging him on like yeah beat the crap out of scott farkas he beats us up every day yeah exactly but then they're like did you hear what he said and so yeah and then yeah because he was cussing 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 and then so ralphie knows like his mom obviously heard all the stuff he said and so like based on what happened last time like he just figures like his life is over he's Mm -hmm. doomed right so he's crying they get home and his mom takes him in the bathroom and like, you know, puts like some water on him to try and get him to calm down. It's like, you just need to like, just calm down, just calm down, like go lay down. So he assumes that he's just going to be dead meat when his dad gets home. Mm-hmm. She's going to tell him about all the things he says. Yeah. And so the things he said and the know, fact that he beat up another kid like that's Yeah, but I think, I, I think he's more worried about all the things he said than the fact that he was in a fight. And then the mom is in the kitchen and she hears a noise. And she opens up the cupboard and Randy is under the cupboard and he's crying. And she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, daddy's going to kill Ralphie. And she's like, no, daddy's not going to kill Ralphie. And he's like, yes, he is. And then she tries to get him to come out from the cupboard and he refuses. And then she's like, would you like some milk? And he's like, mm-hmm. And so she pours him a glass of milk and hands it to him under the cupboard. And he's like, okay, bye-bye. See you later. And he's, so he's in the, under the cupboard drinking some milk. So, yeah. And then the old man comes home. 
and like the dogs are there and he's like cussing at the dogs and like bump says come get your damn dogs and, you know get them out of the yard and that kind of stuff so dad doesn't seem like he's in a great mood already uh-huh and you know ralphie just assumes he's in trouble and so dad comes in and is like you know what's for dinner he's again not in a great mood and like mom gets randy out of the cupboard and so dad sees randy come out of the cupboard and it's kind of like what he's got his papers or like whatever and just goes back to his paper and then ralphie comes down and sits and ralphie doesn't have his glasses because they got knocked off right Uh-oh. when the snowball and then when he went to go beat the crap out of scott Farkas, they just went flying and so his dad's like where's your glasses did you lose them again and then mom pulls his glasses out of her apron and she's like ralphie you left these on the radio again like be careful don't do that and so she's just like you know she's helping him out yeah yeah and then dad's like well what happened today and she's like well you know not much um you know ralphie was in a fight and he's like what kind of fight and she kind of like oh you know you know how boys are and so i gave him a talking to us all fine and then she starts talking about like football mm-hmm. and like, getting him excited and he's like all talking about the football and so they just everything's great and ralphie realizes he's not going to be destroyed and so he's like things are always different between me and my mom after that yeah, but he still has the problem of not getting his Red Rider BB gun. Mm-hmm. Like that's still an issue, right? And so he's in bed, and then he realizes that he can go straight to Santa. Like he forgot all about Santa. Like he just got to go to the big guy. Yeah, you know? and just ask Santa. Santa will take care of it. Like why has he been wasting his time asking his mom and Mrs. Shields? He could just go to Santa. Think straight so, to the source. It's brilliant. Straight to the source. That's right. Yeah. Big Kahuna, Santa. So then we see the Parker family at the Christmas parade and there's all these floats and people going by and marching bands. I don't know. Ralphie's not really, he just wants to go see Santa. He's like, come on, let's Mm -hmm. go. And they're just like, shut up, Ralphie. We're trying to enjoy the parade. So like he keeps trying to get them to leave and they, they don't want to, they want to stick around. Mm -hmm. But finally, finally they can leave. So they can go see Santa in Higby's. So the parents go inside Higby's and they bring Randy and Ralphie to the Santa place, which is like this big, like hill made of snow thing. And you have to like walk up these stairs. So the line goes up these stairs and Santa's like sitting at the top. And then when you're mm-hmm. done, they have the slide that they slide the kids down. So that's how that works apparently at this place. Yeah. This department store. So they basically tell the kids, okay, get in line. We're going to go do some shopping. And so they parents walk off and then, Ralphie and Randy are like getting near the stairs. And then someone's like, that's not the line. That's the line. And obviously the line is like way longer than it looked. And this is Gene Shepard. And then behind him is his like real life wife. Mm -hmm. So So now they have to trudge all the way to the back of the line. And of course, when they get there. Ralphie says the line is all the way back to Terre Haute. Yeah, it's very long. It's a long line. Yeah. And there's this weird kid in front of them in line who's just super awkward. He's like, I like Santa. Yeah. I like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I like the Tin Man. And there's probably just like, okay, like, I don't, I don't care, buddy. I'm just here to see Santa. He's extremely creepy. Yeah. 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 And it's funny too. If you watch it, Randy, when the kid is talking, when the kid, when the kid for like, like we get like the, he does a like, I like Santa. And Ralphie's like, (laughs) Yeah. And then like we cut to something and then we come back and then like the Wizard of Oz people come and they're like, oh, children. And Ralphie's like, hey, leave me alone. I'm thinking. So they're like, oh, whatever. They leave. And the kids all, 
I like the Wizard of Oz. And when he first says that, like, I think it scares the kid who's playing Randy. Who's like, oh, like, and then, and then like his facial expressions. But when they're talking, it's kind of funny. Because he's like, I like the Tin Man. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's super creepy. Yeah, but, yeah I was watching. I, I watched it like three times this morning before we started talking about it <laughs> to watch it. Um, and just like, cause you, then you can like, you know, you, you know it so well, you can actually look at other stuff you don't really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And so I started just looking at things like, you know, side characters and facial expressions and Randy's facial expression in this scene is hilarious. He's like, the eyes are going back and forth between the two of them. And it's kind of funny. So and we'll talk more about that kid in a little bit too. Yeah. So, so then I think there's an announcement at the store. Is that correct? Yeah, the store's closing. It's nine yeah. o'clock. The store's closing. Like they're almost at. San- they've ma- they managed to get all the way like through all the different departments, and they've gotten up to the top of the stairs. But then the announcer says that it's nine o'clock and the store's closing. Yeah, and we see the like clock move to nine, and Rafi's like, "Oh no, nine o'clock! I'm not gonna be able to talk to Santa." But somehow, even though it's like nine o'clock, and you know, there's another couple people ahead of him. Ralphie does get to sit on Santa's lap. So he makes it. Phew. Mm-hmm. Very lucky. So then he's on Santa's lap and Santa's like, hey, kid, what do you want for Christmas? And Ralphie freezes. He goes totally blank. He can't yep. think of anything. He's just sitting there. Yeah. He is. This, and to be, <laughs> I feel like this happens to him when we're podcasting all the time. I'm just <laughs> like, I forget. I just go blank. No, but he's totally blank and he cannot think of anything. And so, the elf is like, come on, kid, we go in a line and it's nine o'clock. We're closing. So she's like trying to get him to say something. And Santa's trying to get him to say something. And finally, Ralphie just blurts out that he wants a football for Christmas, which obviously we know, like, he doesn't even think is a very good present. Football is not a very good present. No. <laughs> right? And so Santa's like, OK, great football. And so he like hands him to the elf and the elf like puts him on the slide. And Ralphie kind of like wakes up and he's like, oh, my God. I just blew my chance and then he re- like he, he's like on the slide and like claws his way back up to the top and is like uh-uh and he tells santa that what he really wants is a red rider bb gun and he gives santa the entire spiel and santa's just looking at him and he's like sliding onto the slide and santa finally is just like you'll shoot your eye out kid and then the elf just like kicks Ralphie down the slide and he just slides. Yeah, like down. puts his boot on his head and like pushes him and then Ralphie goes down. And he just slides yeah. down and that's it. So even Santa thinks he's gonna shoot his eye out. So his last chance has been decimated. Yep. And then mom and dad show up, and dad's like, dad's like off to see the wizard. He's like dancing with the Wizard of Oz people, and they get Ralphie and you know, Ralphie and Randy are just like laying like in the, the, <laughs> in the snow, snow by the, the slide. The slide. <laughs> just been left just there. like, yeah, like comatose basically. And so they get him up and dad is like, so did you tell Santa what you want? And he's like, uh. and he's like, well, did Santa ask you if you're a good boy? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, he knows, he knows. <laughs> and then they leave. And then we're back at their house and it's time to decorate the tree. And dad is up on the ladder and he's trying to get the lights and like one of the strings of the lights is not working. And he says it's the green string. And the mom is like, it's not the green, it's the blue. And he's like, I'm not colorblind. And he's like, mm. and she's like, I'm not colorblind either. And then he plugs it in and it actually was the blue that was out. And then he's like, see, I told you it was the green. And so she's like, oh. but then like, whoosh, like the all the sparks and stuff and fire, like at the socket where he they have all the stuff plugged in and all the lights go out. Mm-hmm. And dad's like, 
a fuse is out. And then we find out like the old man like buys fuses by like the gross. And so he goes and changes the fuse and everything's great. And the tree looks awesome, except for the dad says that the star is crooked. And the mom's like, no, it's not. And actually it's not. The star is like perfectly straight. It looks really nice. But he's like, no, it's crooked. So he gets up on the ladder and then almost falls into the tree and almost knocks the tree over. <laughs> and then he fixes, he fixes it. And it's all janky looking now. The star's all crooked. But then he gets down, he's like, ah, oh, perfect. So everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, it's perfect. And then they do the little thing of like, whoa, gee, I hope Santa hasn't had to pass this house by because some little boys weren't in bed. And so they get the kids to run upstairs and they go to upstairs and they make all horrendous noises going up the stairs, fighting each other. And then once they're upstairs, they can get the presents. Yeah. Which yeah. I think it's funny that they waited till Christmas Eve to decorate the tree. I know a lot of people do that, but they bought the tree quite a bit earlier. So I guess they just had it in their house this whole time. They probably actually they probably they probably kept it outside. It was probably take fresher outside. Cause that and then sense. obviously the lamp was in front of the window before. Uh-huh. Which so, is where they put the tree. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So. My family, we always did it the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. So we're recording this on Thanksgiving weekend. So my family would have set up the tree that Sunday. We would go get the tree and do that and to put out all the Christmas yeah, decorations. Ours would probably go up this weekend. So I don't do a tree because Billy will eat it. He will- yeah. Frankie was never that problematic with the tree he would chew it a little bit at mm-hmm. first and we bought that stuff you spray on it that's like nasty tasting yeah i tried that and then what turned out is that it got on us all the time mm. and so we were constantly like blah, blah, blah. it would get on our hands and then we touch your mouth and Ew. Like, yeah and gross. it didn't seem to bother him at all so uh-huh. we stopped it was like it's actually like it's messing us up not him and then he kind of just he likes to go and sit under it and mm-hmm. hang out sam however <laughs> yeah sam Knox. um last year only decorated the top two-thirds of the tree and um because i actually like wrapped the ornaments like you know because they come with the little wire hooks and so i like wrapped the ball the balls on the tree so he wouldn't knock them off but he apparently like just punching bagged them <laughs> and you know how like they have the little the little spring cap that holds the glass ball onto uh-huh. the connector he would actually knock the glass ball out of the spring connector oh no and so there were all these spring connectors on the tree and balls just like under the couch and under the tree and everywhere thankfully he didn't break any that's good but yeah, yeah so no, billy just anything green like any kind of plant he will eat it he likes broccoli he likes spinach and he will, if I've had any kind of plant ever, he'll, he'll try to eat it. So I can't have any plants that are toxic. And if he eats a bunch of pine needles, he'll get sick. So I just don't have a Christmas tree unless I have a place to put it where, like a room where Billy couldn't get to it, but I don't have a space that big. So that's, yeah. and if I ever own a house and I have like a front room that he can't get to, I can put it there, but I don't. So <laughs> yeah, I actually have to correct that because that was actually, that was actually two years. So it was his first Christmas is when that happened. Oh, okay. July. So his first Christmas he did that last Christmas, we actually didn't decorate the tree at all. We just had the lights on it. Okay. And so he was a little bit better still a couple times um like had to like like trying to climb the tree from the inside but this year i think maybe we're going to try some ornaments again we'll see i mean the tree looks really nice just with lights on it i like very like just simple like i like white lights and like silver and red decorations that kind of thing yeah so i just do christmas lights like around my apartment like instead of having a tree (laughs) so i need to get some though because i currently have a purple string up and i really need to get like some red and green or something so maybe i'll get those at 
Fred yeah, Myers. So we'll see. So we shall see. Maybe we'll have an after Christmas report at some point. <laughs> yeah. Sure. No, I've yeah. just learned that it's just not worth the headache to have anything green around <laughs> because I don't want to take Billy to the ER vet because he decided to eat a branch of something. So it's just not worth my, my mm. stress level. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Maybe like a palm tree or something. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> anyway. So then it's the day that every kid waits for, or every kid who celebrates Christmas and believes that Santa is going to bring them presents anyway. So big day. So. Ralphie wakes up and it's a beautiful Christmas day and there's fresh snow everywhere and it's in the trees and they're kind of glittering with this new snow and the world just looks really wonderful. So Ralphie runs over to Randy's bed and he's like, wake up, Randy, because it's Christmas. It's Christmas. So you got to get up. So the boys run downstairs and they see all these presents under the tree and they're both like, whoa. And so they rush over and they try and figure out how many presents they have. And we see the Parkers, the parents are like coming down the stairs, yawning and sleepy because it's very early. They don't want to be up. So they sit on the couch like, who's going to play Santa this year? And you know they argue about like Randy doing it last year. And they finally come to some decision and they start handing around presents so that they can all open presents. Then they have an unwrapping montage and people are just opening stuff. Yeah. They got a yep. lot of gifts. A lot of gifts. And the mom is like, Ralphie, what did Aunt Clara give you this year? She always gives you such great presents. And then we get some more, like we get that, and then like leads up and we get some more presents. The dad gets a bowling ball. She like drops it in good. his lap and he's like, it's a blue ball. And then, yeah. So he's all like, oh, thanks, honey. Yeah. Well, he did want so, a bowling alley. So I guess that's, you know, a start. That's true. Yeah. yeah so. Yep. And then finally we roll back to like, what did Aunt Clara give you? And he holds up this jumper, basically. And through the narration, we get that not only has Aunt Clara mistakenly thought that he is a girl for his entire life, but also thinks he's perpetually like four years old. So he holds it up and it's this pink jumper mm-hmm. and it's got like bunny feet. And she's like, oh, go put it on. He's like, I don't want to put it on. He's like, go put it on. So he has to go upstairs. And so they do some more presents and then they hand some stuff. And that's actually when dad gets the blue ball. And then Ralphie comes down and he's wearing the jumper. And it's really big. And it's got rabbit feet. And then it's got these big rabbit ears. Mm -hmm. Comes down and Randy is laughing at him. He's like, stop laughing at Randy. And then she's like, oh, you look amazing. She always gives you such nice things. And dad is like, he looks like a pink nightmare. And mom's like, he does not. And like smacks him. Like, he does too. He's like, he looks like a deranged Easter bunny. And he's like, are you happy wearing that? And he's like, no. And he's like, you want to take it off? And he's like, yes. And he's like, tell the kid to take it off. So what I like about this is that even though like we talk about like the whole, like the dad, like the mom is the one who makes the decisions about the kids. Like mm-hmm. it's always like he makes suggestions, but then she's the one who has to like actually say what happens. He's like, tell the kid to take it off. So she tells him he can go take it off. He only has to wear it when like Aunt Clara visits or something. So he runs upstairs <laughs> and does like, take it off. And so yeah. yeah. So then they're hanging out on the couch 
And Randy's passed out with his, he's got a Zeppelin for Christmas. And so he's passed out holding on to his Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And the mom and the dad and Ralphie are sitting on the couch, Ralphie's between them. And they, the adults have some wine. And the dad's like, oh, this one, you want to taste? And he's like, yeah. And the mom's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so he's asking him like well did you get everything you wanted this year and he's like oh almost you know it's like oh yeah well which is pretty happened pretty good about it i feel like i was a bratty enough kid that i would have been like no i didn't get what i wanted <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty diplomatic about it he's yeah like, he's yeah, like yeah, yeah mostly and he's like oh yeah well it's always next christmas and then he's like hey wait a minute what's that what's that over there over there behind the desk and Ralphie's like what and he's like look look over over there behind the desk like why don't you why don't you go check it out so ralphie goes over and the mom is like what did we put behind the desk he's like must have been santa i don't know just (laughs) present over there behind the desk so they get up and they stand up and ralphie's opening it and you know what it is (gasps) what it's a red rider bb gun (gasps) oh my gosh yep and so they go through the whole thing like he's you know you know how to load it and so he loads it and then he's like can i go out and play with it and his mom's like yeah well put your galoshes on and she still thinks they're dangerous but like he's gotta go outside like i would be like yeah you gotta go outside if you're gonna shoot your bb gun like don't shoot your bb gun in the house well and um, she also tells him don't shoot animals which is good i'm glad she yeah mentioned but the dad's like unless it's the bumps hounds that's fine <laughs> so yeah and then and then she's like what and he's like i had one when i was eight years old so dad came through boom the only person he technically did not ask for a Red Rider BB gun is the one who got him a Red Rider BB gun. So he asked everybody else. Yeah. Did not ever ask his dad, but his dad's the one that pulled it through. No, it was really oh. sweet, actually. I thought that was really sweet because he clearly yeah. knew that he wanted it and thought that, oh, it would be good for him. And then just like gets it and surreptitiously puts it somewhere and even makes him think he didn't get it. And then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. what's that? I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. So Ralphie runs outside to go play with his gun. And then the mom and dad are in the kitchen and the mom pulls the turkey out of the oven. And we find out the old man is a turkey junkie, like pushes her aside and is like trying to get some pieces off of it. And she like has to get him away from it while she's doing it. And so, yeah, old man, yeah, every year, this time of year, apparently his eyes would light up because he loves turkey. So, yeah. Which I don't know if it was the scene or the next one, but like he's trying to eat it and she's like don't touch that turkey it still needs to cook for a few hours and i was like then why did you put it on the table (laughs) yeah what's the next one well she pulls it out this time and she makes him leave like she makes him go in the living room because in this one she's like getting like the the juices out Mm -hmm. probably to make gravy or something so she's tipping them out of the pan and then the next scene is like sitting on like a cutting board kind of thing and she it looks like it was all like tied up you know like to have the legs and the Mm -hmm. wings tied or something that and she's untying it and then she comes up from the basement with what I think are pickles, maybe. And so I think she's going to like do like some final like dressing on it or something before it goes back. Oh, maybe. Oven. Okay. So I think she's doing like, it's one of those, it's like not like a put it in the oven and forget it kind of thing. It's one of those like long. Like, yeah. You, you cook it for a little bit and then you pull it out and you do some stuff and you put it back yeah. in and you pull it out and you do some stuff. That makes sense. So I mean, I don't she, generally yeah. cook a full turkey, but my mom did for Thanksgiving when I was a kid. And so I remember that process being very involved. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's the that's the next scene where okay. that happens. But yeah, and this one she's pulling out still in the roasting pan, and then she like shushes him out of the like makes him leave, and then you see her like spooning out like the juices and stuff. So okay. she's to make some gravy, or maybe she's just getting ready to like she can like you know pour them back over the turkey or something. But mm-hmm. so meanwhile, Ralphie takes his gun outside, and there's like a target 
put up on this tree fence post, something that's there that he can shoot at. And he goes to fire the gun. And he's all excited. And then is, there's kind of like a kickback. Like it, it kicks back it when he I fires think, it. I think it actually, because he, he's got the target taped like a metal like sign. Oh, so the thing the like backyard. bumps back. That's so I think the BB ricochets. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So the BB knocks him to the ground. Yeah, BB ricochets, knocks him to the ground, and it hits him in the eye. <laughs> but luckily, he's <laughs> wearing glasses, so it didn't actually hit his eye, which is very fortunate. And he's just like, oh, my God, I shot my eye out. Just all the thing that everyone was warning him about, and now that happened. Yeah, and then his mom's in the kitchen doing the turkey, and she's like, be careful out there. Don't shoot your eye out. And he's like, she didn't know. So, so then he's like, away with it. okay. I have to come up with a plan because if I tell her that the BB did this, I'm they're taking the gun away and I'm never getting it back. So he comes up with this story that like an icicle fell off and like hit him and like broke his glasses and stuff. Cause he also like goes to look for his glasses. And then of course he steps on his glasses. So they're completely mm-hmm. destroyed, which yeah, apparently the glasses actually were, they look fine in the, like when they're on the ground, it like maybe the BB like just glinted maybe like the frame or something. Because he does have a little bit of a cut on his cheek. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, the glasses look fine until he steps on them. But then he steps on them and they're not fine anymore. And no. uh, <laughs> and then he's like, okay, well, I've got this icicle story. So I'll tell mom it's an icicle. So then he like kind of cries a little and he's like, oh, mom. And she, you know, it's like, what happened? What happened? And so then he tells her. And apparently she buys the icicle story. So it works. She talks yeah. about how she's heard about dangerous icicles. And so, I mean, that's totally believable to her. So, yeah, apparently they've killed people. Yeah. So, yeah. So then she's upstairs with him in the bathroom, like cleaning his cheek up. And the old man has already once tried to get some turkey. And that's when she comes up from the basement with the pickles and then like shushes him away. And then that's when she says, like, don't you try out. And then he realizes that he's safe. And then she's upstairs with Ralphie. And so the old man sneaks in again. And it's like got the knife out and was gonna like take a little slice off the turkey. And he's like, What's going on up there? Because like they ran past and he's like, What's going on? She's like, Nothing, it's fine, it's fine, no problem. So he decided to take that time to go sneak in the kitchen and get some turkey. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, Keep your hands off that turkey because you'll get worms. And he's like, <clears throat> So he got busted. So he puts the knife down and leaves, right? So he doesn't get in trouble. And then he's just sitting there reading his paper. And then one of the Bumpus's hound dogs, like, walks past him and he's sitting in his chair and then another one and then another one and it turns out the dogs got in mm-hmm. i'm guessing like through the back door like when she went and got ralphie and they didn't close the door all the way or something maybe. yeah i thought so but it wasn't really clear yeah but the dogs are in the kitchen and they've destroyed like they knocked over the kitchen table i think they like, broke one of the legs or something because the table's collapsed and the turkey was on the tray and it's on the floor and there were cookies on the table too and stuff and the cookies are on the floor and the dogs are just tearing apart the turkey and the old man realizes what's going on he runs in there and he's like the turkey and then everyone runs in randy wakes up and then ralphie and mom run down and the dogs have run out and dad has chased the dogs out and he's like sons of bitches bumpuses and then turkey all gone there's like a wing he's like holding the wing up off the floor that's all that's left because the turkey's the dogs grabbed the turkey and ran off and it's like all gone mm. no honey turkey for dinner it's all gone and mom's crying and so oh no dad like is throws the turkey wing back on the floor and is like all right everyone get dressed we are going out to eat <laughs> so 
Yep. Yep. And so they end up at a restaurant that is open on Christmas, which is the Bowling mm-hmm. Chop Suey Palace Company. Yeah. Yeah. And this seems so, I mean, it's a little racist. They have like. It is. I mean, in the commentary, they talk about they were a little worried about this. But I mean, and then, you know, there's consent and then there's consent, right? Apparently, the the people doing the scene were fine with it, is what the story is. Like, they realized, yeah, it's kind of racist, but also they were like fine they were happy to do it but then again it's like well were you happy would you really re- would you have been happy to do it if someone wasn't asking you to do it would you have done it normally so well yeah and like you're getting paid you're you know and it's an acting job you're probably yeah. not going to say oh i'm not going to do this so anyway basically they they sing christmas carol that has a lot of l's in it and of course don't mm-hmm. sing the l's correctly and the other guy tries to correct them yeah. and it's okay it's definitely another it's, song and it's also bad yeah. and also they just sing bad yeah on top of that's it, part of it and, too i mean so it's yeah. just yeah not not the best but and then i mean the thing with the duck is a little racist too but like again see of ignorant white people stuff like that's gonna happen i say as a person who's a white people who has been ignorant about many things in the past so and will be in the future i'm sure so they bring out this duck and like it's a roast duck but you know it's still got the neck mm-hmm. and head and so that freaks the mom out and she's clearly like which to be fair i get freaked out by that but i get freaked out by bones and stuff too like anything that makes me think too hard about what i mean it's kind of like nope no yeah. thanks well because they've been having like they you know they were doing the singing and everyone is laughing yeah you know, that kind of stuff and then the, the like the head guy is like no 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 just like, go get the food go get the food it's like the mom is like talking to the kids and laughing and the, the guy brings over the duck and puts it on the table and then she turns around and like the duck head is like right in her face and she's like <laughs> yeah. so it's and also unexpected like, and jarring and yeah. then so like it's kind of like can we do something about this and then the guy just like chops the head off right in front of her and that's yeah. not better so anyway <laughs> but then they bring out a bunch of sides and a bunch of other food and it seems like they end up having a, a good time and Ralphie says that mm-hmm. they started calling that Chinese turkey, which, okay. Yep, it's the year they were introduced to Chinese turkey. Yeah. Yep. And uh, anyway, they ended up having a good meal at this Chinese restaurant, even though the neighbor's dogs ate all their turkey. So yep, it worked out. Bitches, bumpuses. And then it's a beautiful Christmas night and it's snowing. And the mom and dad are in the living room and they're looking out the window. The tree has got the light, like all the lights are off in, in the living room, except for like the Christmas lights. And then they can see like the snow falling from the front window. And like the dad is sitting there and he's got like tea or coffee or a drink or something, you know, and he's sitting there. The mom comes over and like sits next to him, like on the arm of the chair and like, oh, it's so beautiful. And he like puts his arm on her and she puts her arm around him. And it's just, it's nice and pretty. Yeah, it's and sweet. So you're like, ah. Oh. And then we cut to Randy sleeping with a Zeppelin in his bed. And Ralphie is sleeping with his BB gun, which... <laughs> hope isn't loaded. We hope. You hope isn't loaded because it's pointing at Randy, basically. Randy's going to get shot at some point in this yeah, situation. Yep, sleeping with his BB gun. And then, you know, all the world is fantastic. And then it ends with the end credits. And so, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yep. <laughs> That's the end of a Christmas story. Yep. The, the restaurant is so the sign, it's the restaurant is called Bowling and Sons Chop Suey Palace Company. That's what it says on the door. And then on the sign above the restaurant, it says Bowling and then Chop Suey 
Powell's company. And it's Bo and then Ling, but they have a neon sign that actually says bowling, like bowling alley, and the W is out. And so it, then it says Bo Ling. And so I don't know if, the, I don't know. I've been reading some stuff about that. And I don't know if that was something they did or if that was real. It was a real Chinese restaurant that they used to film it in. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that was the real name of the place. And if it really had been like a bowling place or if they just got like a sign cheap and realized they could use it without the W to do their name. Or I have no idea. Yeah. But I don't yeah. either. So. So. The DVD commentary. So there was a 2003 edition of the DVD that came out and it has commentary by Bob Clark, the director, and then Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie. And so some of the things they talk about in that was that with the exception of the exterior shots of the school, all the snow was, it was frozen water, but it wasn't real snow. They actually made it. They yeah. actually sprayed it and put it all down. They make some, so Lake so, Tahoe has snow making machines that the mm -hmm. ski resorts use to kind of supplement when there's not a lot of snow in the winter so people yeah. can still ski. And when we had the Caldor fire recently, I say we, I don't live there anymore. My family lived there and they had to evacuate. But they were using the snow making machines to help like water the ground and keep things cool and cool the air and put moisture in the air to keep the fire away. So it was just kind of interesting to see them use them that way. Yes, because they did film during winter mm -hmm. in both locations they filmed. And they filmed in Toronto and then in Cleveland. But the only real snow was actually outside the school, yeah. which is outside of Toronto. Everything else was like, it was cold. Like, as you see their breath all the time, like it really was cold, but it actually was not snowing. Yeah. They were. And you can't control so the weather, so make, you got to make it. Yeah, own. they had to make all the snow. Even the snow on the trees, like in that one scene, which looks like you're thinking like, oh my God, how they did that? Was like, they just, they sprayed the trees down with the mm -hmm. snow machines and made all that snow. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's They did cool. a really good job because there are, there are scenes like the snow was like all dirty and tramped down. And so like they... They made it look like actual like snow snow. Mm -hmm. it yeah, sweet. it looks good. They did a really good job on that. Yeah. Jack Nicholson was interested in the role of the old man, Mr. Parker, but the studio didn't want to pay for him. So that turned out for the best, according to Clark and Billingsley. And of course, Nick, who loves Darren McGavin. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's one of those, we talked about it before, like, just, like people say like, oh, I can't imagine anyone else in the role. And it's like, I mean, I disagree with that a lot because you you never know but like this is one of those cases where i'm like mm -hmm, maybe i kind of agree with that a little bit because uh, yeah there's just like there's there's layers to it that like i could not picture jack nicholson doing this oh before. yeah that would i mean so, i'm sure he could have done a passable role and it would have been fine it might have been really good it just would have been super different because different people are going to yeah. bring different stuff so yeah wouldn't have had the same feel so darren mcgavin was who bob clark wanted to actually get but then because, you know, Jack Nicholson was famous at that point because he had, you know, come off of a bunch of movies. And so everyone was like, oh, Jack Nicholson. But he was Bob Clark's choice. And so they were able to get him. And he actually is in two more of Bob Clark's films in Turk 182 in 1985. And then he's also in From the Hip in 1987. Nice. So there is, uh, they, there's, there's, I think there's possibly two, but there's at least one like dream sequence, like daydream sequence that was cut from the movie. And it was Ralphie with his Red Rider BB gun and he's saving Flash Gordon from Ming the Merciless. And that one was cut, which is why if you've ever watched this and wondered why there is a credit for Flash Gordon and Ming the Merciless in the credit, like there's not a lot of credits in the rolling credits. This mm -hmm. is like an 80s movie, right? It's very short, but there is a credit for Ming the Merciless and for Flash Gordon. And there's no Flash Gordon or Ming Merciless in this movie at all. <laughs> but that is why. 
because I, I guess maybe like back then, like they would burn them in or something. So it was too late to change it when they decided to edit it out or something. I don't know why they're still in the credits. I think they would just cut that out because the dudes are not in the movie at all, but they do get credits for being in the movie, even though they're not. Huh, interesting. So, kind of weird. Yeah, that is kind of weird. And then to get the stuck tongue effect at the school, that was done by using a tiny hole in the hollow pole that he sticks his tongue to. So he actually kind of sticks his tongue into the hole and it created this like vacuum suction that he could then kind of like pull away and it wouldn't let him go. Yeah. And they angle it just enough so you can't see the. Yeah. yeah. So you can't tell. So, I mean, it probably would have let him go if he pulled yeah, hard. It looks, it looks super real. It does. Yeah. It definitely looks uncomfortable. I kind of thought maybe they actually did freeze a tongue to the pole. Like just. I mean, I don't, is that real? I don't know if that's real or not, honestly. I think Mythbusters did a thing about that, but I don't think I watched it or read that. Oh, you know, they it, probably but. did. And I don't know if I've seen that one either. But I mean, obviously, you would use like some slightly warm water to get off, right? right. That, that would that would solve the problem. So, but I kind of, but yeah, apparently they just did it with some suction, which is kind of ingenious when you think about it. Because you would obviously be able to tell if it was a fake, like if he was just holding his tongue to it. Yeah. He's like trying to talk and stuff. And that would be. Yeah, he like wouldn't have been able to pull to away from it. On there. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's talking and trying to pull away and his tongue is just stuck there. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then all the fake cursing. Because the only time we actually get real curse words in here is when Ralphie says son of a bitch. And then when the old man says bumpuses sons of bitches. Uh-huh. Those are the only like real curse words we get. All the rest is like the f- fake cursing. Like at one point, like the dad says like mundane noodle and just like just all these random words. But they're actually not random. At least Ralphie's and probably the dad's, I imagine, too, were actually written because they wanted to like have the proper cadence of like someone cursing. So they don't want just people just like randomly saying words. And so they had to actually memorize all of them. So at least Ralphie's <laughs> were like scripted and he had to memorize all that stuff. He was saying the whole time he was beating up Scott Farkas. Oh man, that's so. a lot, a lot, especially because it's random. Yeah. So it doesn't seem to have a lot of continuity yeah. to remember. So, so but you want to have that, you want, you know, you, you want to get that feel of like it sounds real. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, they did a pretty good job on it. Yeah. Honestly. So, and then we talked about how we were going to mention the little weird kid with the, I like the tin man kid, according to the commentary, that kid really was, weird and those were actually his clothes that wasn't like costuming which seems weird because he's wearing like that kind of like flick has a similar like old aviator like helmet kind of thing that he's wearing and this kid is wearing one too and i kind of thought it was the same one but like his is like got like a like a sheepskin lining like it's all like fleecy inside mm-hmm. and like flicks is lined inside too but it's not all fleecy looking but anyway this was apparently according to the commentary this was the kid's like actual clothes he was wearing the clothes that he was wearing like the coat and stuff isn't that would be fine. You could probably fake that for 1940s. But apparently the kid like creeped Peter Billingsley out because <laughs> he was creepy. Yeah. I mean, he was so, creepy on the, <laughs> on the screen too. So I could yeah. see that. It's just some and then, like, when I was watching and I was mentioning like with Randy's like reactions <laughs> at one point, like when he, when he says like, after they come back and he's like, I like the wizard. When he first starts talking, like the kid playing Randy is like, like he jumps, like, he, like they weren't expecting him to talk or something. And then, yeah. So. Apparently he was creepy. He was a creepy kid. So, yeah. And then while discussing the film's possible influence on the Wonder Years, Bob Clark mentions that Gene Shepard actually auditioned for the role of adult Kevin, the narrator in the Wonder Years. Because apparently he wasn't maybe the best person to work with. Uh. He was maybe a little um, 
too involved in some things. Mm. Um, Bob Clark does talk about like, you know, at some point he just had to like send him away because he was just like wanting to be, I mean, like it's historians stuff like that, but like he just wanted to be in it all the time. It was like apparently like giving advice on the side. Oh, and then Bob Clark would have like, to like, so mm. one of those kind of things. Yeah. So according to Bob Clark, again, hearsay, right? But like, I guess the, um, the people in charge of casting for the Wendy years, like, called up bob clark i was like man how did you work with him on that movie because apparently <laughs> even just during the audition they were like well yeah no not this dude so oh yeah. man that's rough <laughs> he's got a really distinctive voice he does yeah yeah funnily enough daniel stern does the narration for the wonder years okay and when i was looking up because i couldn't actually couldn't remember who was the person who did the narration on the wonder years and i wanted to reference who actually got the job and then i just happened to look up daniel stern's like filmography they made a direct-to-video like sequel to a Christmas story called The Christmas Story 2. And it's like six years later when they're like 15 or something. So like teenagers, right? And involved like trying to get a car and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, the person who plays the old man, this is like in 2014 or something. It's so like um, I think only the teacher is in both movies. Like she's the only oh. person in both movies. But the person who plays the old man who plays the dad is Daniel Stern. Oh, weird. Yeah. So that's kind of like a weird thing, like the guy who narrated this movie and then didn't get the role. The other dude who did get the role then plays the dad in the sequel that I'm not sure I'm ever going to want to watch. But anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, that was like a weird one. It's weird. Like, oh, that's kind of weird. I went that was related or not. I have no idea. Maybe they got that job because of that. Probably not. But who knows? Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, the commentary. Commentary. I mean, it was fine commentary. It wasn't like groundbreaking or anything. There was there was some cool stuff that like you know. Yeah. It's it's nice sometimes to get information from the people, even though sometimes sometimes those are just like stories, maybe and maybe you know are are fudged a little. We talked about that with the X Files. Sometimes you're just yeah. Nick believes the most stories people tell just for interviews, just for yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it seems (laughs) sometimes it seems that way. Sometimes they're a little too like on the nose. (laughs) So. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of nice not to just get all your information like from Wikipedia sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think I've watched DVD commentary, like a DVD commentary track in like 20 years. I think maybe the last one I watched yeah. was like I Fight Club or something. I forgot that it had it. And so I had never actually even listened to it. Like I've seen this movie a gazillion times. Mm-hmm. Um, like I own the DVD. I had forgot that it had commentary and I had never listened to it. But then when we were getting ready for this, I was like, oh, I'm listening to commentary because I'm like, I'm looking at Wikipedia for stuff and looking things up. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's some stuff in the commentary. That I yeah, that might be interesting. Either corroborate or just like contradict or just be stuff that no one talks about. So, yeah. Yeah. We did mention that the movie was set in Homan, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a fake city, obviously. Yeah, it's not real. So there's no date given in the film, but it would seem to either take place in 1939 or 1940. The Wizard of Oz was released in 1939, in August of 1939. And so like because the Wizard of Oz characters are at the Christmas parade and they're in the store. Yeah. So in that case, 1939 would make the most sense. But then we mentioned that Ralphie's Dakota ring is actually stamped as the 1940 edition. And it's the actual ring released for that you know, year. I don't know when they release those rings, though. So like, did they release them ahead? Like, this is December when he's getting the ring, right? So would he be getting the 1940 ring in 39 or would he be getting the 1940 ring at the end of 1940? I don't know. Right. Yeah. So, and then the totally messed things up. The look magazine that he puts the red writer advert in is the December, 1937 issue. 
But the boy's life he uses is actually the January 1939 issue. And then like the real ad for on the boy's life. That actually is a real boy's life magazine cover. But the actual ad on the back is actually for a baby with candy bars, not for okay. a Red Rider BB gun. Because there was a Red Rider BB gun. It did not have all the stuff on it that this one does. There was one later that Daisy put out that did have all the stuff on it that this one does. Okay. But it was not branded as a Red Rider BB gun. Okay. So they're kind of like conflating like BB guns. But Red Rider was a, was a Daisy BB gun. But it didn't have all like the, you know, the compass and the the thing in the where he's like, it's a thing which tells time. I always thought it was funny because I thought he was just like didn't know the word for like clock or watch. But apparently it was actually a sundial. Oh, makes sense because hmm. they wouldn't have like super mini watches back then. Yeah. Stock of a gun. So it was like a sundial thing. So that's why it's a thing that tells time. Gotcha. Yeah. And then there's also no mention of World War Two at all in the movie. So it has to take place before like 1940 or earlier, because obviously December of 1941 was a little thing you might have heard about called Pearl Harbor Mm -hmm. that would have been in the news. So since that's not mentioned, this this has got to be like either 39 or 40. So it's never mentioned, though. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes sense. And the exterior filming was done in Cleveland. They actually scouted 20 cities before landing on Cleveland. And they chose it specifically because of the Higby's department store in downtown Cleveland, which is the site of three scenes. Yep, the early scene with the Christmas display window mm-hmm. is Higby's actual window. They did like they did make it up for the movie, but like they did do those kind of things at Christmas time in mm-hmm. Higby's. So that makes sense. And then the parade scene, which was filmed just outside Higby's. And the parade was actually filmed at 3 a.m. because during the daytime, several prominent anachronistic landmarks were visible. So they had to do it at night so you couldn't tell that it's actually yeah. 1982 or whenever they were filming. Yeah, this. I'm guessing probably like some like maybe some branded buildings or something that wouldn't exist. Probably. Probably. Right. Maybe yeah, I don't some know. billboards or who knows. Yeah, possibly. And then obviously the visit to Santa was filmed inside Higby's as well. They actually built that whole like big construction, like the big mountain with the stairs and the slide. They actually built that for the movie, but then Higby's actually kept it and used it for a few years, apparently. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that slide would be a huge liability. <laughs> so it's funny that they actually used it, <laughs> especially in the 80s. I would th- honestly, I would be more... I would think the stairs would be a bigger issue. Than well, the yeah, either way, but... <laughs> you've got people going up and then like pushing kids down this slide i don't know it just feels like something could go wrong but But also we're talking early 80s people weren't yeah it's true it's true you could go ride your bike and stay out late and Mm -hmm. parents didn't care so they didn't care they just weren't worried because yeah no one was really scared that bad things were going to happen well some people probably were most people weren't yeah and the school scenes were shot at the victoria school in st Catharines, ontario yeah, which is just south of Toronto. I think actually it's across the the lake from Toronto. There's like a weird like bay thing up in that area, I think. But like it's just across from Toronto. So because they did all the soundstage filming in Toronto, Ontario. So the inside of the Parker home and all the other like stage stuff was there. They also filled the tree purchasing. And the tire changing scenes outside in Toronto. Okay. And then I mentioned the Chinese restaurant was a real restaurant in Toronto. But again, I don't know if it was actually named that or if it was. Apparently, there was a documentary made where people were going through and finding all the locations. And they actually discovered 
like they discovered like the original fire engine that was used and they actually found the location where this restaurant was but oh, just, nice. i didn't have i didn't have access to the documentary and everything i looked up wouldn't tell me like what the name of the place was they just said they actually found the actual restaurant they used and it actually was a chinese restaurant at the time it's actually now i want to say it's a mexican restaurant now but yeah nice either way that sounds delicious yeah and then because it was filmed partly in canada it actually earned two Canadian Genie Awards in 1984. It received one for Best Achievement in Direction for Bob Clark. And this is actually his second Genie because he had previously won for Murder by Decree. And then it also won for Best Screenplay. Oh, nice. And then it was also nominated for Best Motion Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay. Which is kind of weird that it won Best Screenplay, but it didn't win Best Adapted Screenplay. I guess maybe they wanted to spread the wealth. I don't know. Yeah. So. Maybe there was another one that was adapted that was really good. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What else was in that category? <laughs> and then I largely know of this movie because of TBS's 24 Hours of Christmas Story Marathon, which was on when I was a kid a lot. So by 1996, it had been aired on TBS, TNT, and TCM a combined eight times over December 24th and the 26th. And due to increasing popularity of the film in 1997, TNT began airing a 24-hour marathon dubbed 24 Hours of a Christmas Story, which consisted of the film being shown 12 consecutive times beginning at 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve and ending at 8 p.m. on Christmas Day. So obviously with ads and stuff, that 94 minutes was flushed out. And this was in addition to various other airings earlier in the month of December. After several such marathons in 2004, TNT switched to a predominantly drama format. And so the sister network TBS took over the marathon. And then 10 years later in 2014, the marathon was broadcast on both TNT and TBS, marking the first time since 2003 that TNT aired it, as well as the first time the marathon was carried by multiple stations. Oh, wow. And the two networks sent their airings one hour apart. So it would air from December 24th at 8 p.m. to December 25th at 8 p.m. on TBS. And from December 24th at 9 p.m. to December 25th at 9 p.m. on TNT. And both networks have since run the 24-hour marathons with the one-hour offset format, making it the new tradition for both TBS and TNT, and they are doing it again this year as well. So they're still doing it. Yeah, so both TBS and TNT run it. Yeah. And you can basically start the movie every hour, depending on which channel you're watching. Right. Set up. So, yeah. yeah, which is how I know about the movie. I never watched it when it was on those. I think my brothers did a couple times, but I never did. So that's why I had never yes, seen it. Yes, because people, people may remember that this was Tori's, I think she watched it a couple times for this, but she had never seen this. Mm -hmm. So actually, I think this, I think this started when you came on and did the cold check episode on Jane Lazy Inn. Maybe. And we were talking about Darren McGavin. I think that may have been when that started. Oh, and I've mentioned that I had never, you're like, he's in a Christmas yeah. story. And I was like, I've was never, like, you never seen, seen a Christmas that. story. What? I know there was a so. musical that came through Seattle a few years ago and it had like, I think it had the the bunny suit also in some of the advertising, but I just mm -hmm. it I, I would go see musicals when I would get especially when I would get like cheap tickets. Like you would get the email from Fifth Avenue and they'd be like, We have $25 tickets. That's how I saw spam a lot. 
So I just bought like a $25 ticket for a matinee on a Saturday. So I'd randomly go see them. But this one, I just never managed to get to. So I didn't even see the musical. So yeah, the bunny suit. I was naming off the things that people usually know from this movie. You know, mm-hmm. I mentioned like sticking your tongue to the light pole mm-hmm. and the leg lamp and then the fudge scene. Right. I forgot to mention the bunny suit. Like That's the other big. Thing yeah, that that's a big one, too. I think I might have known that, too. It just didn't click in my head that that was from this movie because it's such a non Christmas image. Mm-hmm. of a kid in like this bunny suit that I don't think I really I had seen it before but I didn't really connect it to this until I actually yeah, saw it's it. Yeah, cuz it's very it's like it. I mean he's he says he looks like a deranged Easter bunny. He yeah, looks, exactly. It's not Easter. not so, a very yeah. Christmassy thing. Maybe Aunt Clara is planning to come visit for Easter and so wanted to make sure that it was already there. Maybe. So, yeah, that would make yeah. sense. Yeah. Although now those big like onesies that have like animal hoods and stuff like people love those. One of my coworkers was wearing like a reindeer one and she posted photos on Zoom. She's like in the Christmas spirit. And I was like, or it wasn't Zoom, it was on Slack. And I was like, cool. I mean, I, I would wear one of those. I think they look really comfortable, but it's the, hers didn't have like big antlers or anything weird. Yeah, so. They do onesies or <laughs> did, I guess. I don't know. I don't think they're doing them now, but pre-COVID they would actually do onesie pub crawls here in Portland. Okay. Yeah. So I have a a Harley Quinn onesie. Nice. Yeah. I need to get, I I don't own one, but I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I need to get one, I guess. I need to pick. Again, going back to that, like, mm, you know, I don't know. Gotta think for Harley Quinn. I mean, I pretty much live in pajamas these days anyway. So from this. Yeah, maybe. So I also like Harley Quinn a lot. Yeah. I know there's a new animated show with her. I think it's on HBO or something. I haven't seen it yet, though. Yeah, I prefer original Harley Quinn. I'm not a big fan of like the movie Harley Quinn or how now they've basically kind of done like sexing her up kind of thing. Which yeah, is like, I don't short, shorts and to be honest, I, like I didn't. In, see... I like her in the little Harley Quinn uniform. I like it. I like it. I like the Paul yeah. Dini version. So yeah, yeah. I didn't see Suicide Squad. I don't care. I know there's like 500 cuts of it. I just I don't can't make myself watch yeah, well, it. Suicide Squad. Though I liked the Birds most of Prey. One looked interesting. So yeah, I would say she's in Birds of Prey. Yeah, I liked Birds of Prey a lot. And yeah, I know there's like a second Suicide Squad, which I thought was the same movie, and I got really confused because I didn't realize that it was a sequel because I think they're titled basically the same. I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. Well, and that one's directed by um, James Gunn, who did. Oh the yeah, yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it might. I don't know if I'll go see it though, because DC just does not do good movies. I'm sorry. They really so. don't. I don't understand why it's so hard. Marvel gets it, and DC just cannot seem to pull their heads out of the. We need everything to be dark and gritty, and it's like it doesn't though. Birds of Prey is my favorite one, and it's not dark and gritty. So maybe do more of that. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway. What I do know is that in 2012, this movie was selected for preservation by the United States National Film Registry in the Library of Congress for being, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yeah. So you got that leg don't lamp. Hit, don't know if it hit one, if it hit two, it hit all three. <laughs> don't know. But it at least got one of them. Yeah. So it's now been <laughs> preserved. Oh, nice. So. Very good. <laughs> I don't know what that involves. I mean, there's millions of DVDs floating around of it. Yeah. You can get it on streaming sites. Yeah. So I don't know what that being preserved actually means, but it is. So, yay. All right. Yeah. So Tori has now seen A Christmas Story. I have. I have. She now has two data sets for Darren McGavin. I she do. Check, and she has the old man. And I would almost say that, like, the Kolchek movies and the Kolchek TV show are separate data sets, even though it's the same character. There's there's enough variation. You could maybe 
that line is blurry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I kind of really want to track down. I mean, I remember a long time ago seeing The Natural. He's apparently in The Natural. He's in Commando. He plays an FBI agent in Commando. Oh. Schwarzenegger. Interesting. He's obviously going to show up when we do Millennium because mm. he plays Frank Black's dad. Okay. He actually shows up in that before he shows up in The X-Files as Alan Dulles. So, but I actually kind of want to go back and check out his old Mike Hammer stuff. Yeah. Because he starred as Mike Hammer in a TV series and I've never seen it. I kind of want to maybe go track it down and see it. Huh. So. That'd be interesting. Kolchak kind of has that noir thing going yeah. on. Yeah. That kind of thing. It so really does. I'd be interested to see the Mike Hammer stuff. So, plus he'd be younger, a, a, even younger Darren McGavin, right? Because in Kolchak, he's almost 50 when he does the first movie. So then he's like 51 in the TV show and he's 61 here. So it'd be interesting to go back and look at some younger Darren McGavin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, in January, in a few short days, depending on when you're listening to this, our Patreon starts talking about Cole Check the Night Stalker, the TV series. Yeah. So, yeah. We already have both movies up there. So if you want to listen to those, you can listen to them now. Mm-hmm. And we'll have the TV series too. So that's something coming up. So if you want that. Yeah. Two per week. Yeah. So, so two yeah. episodes per week and it's $5 a month or up. So it's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. But give yourself the gift of listening to us talk about Colchick Night Stalker. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's that works. one okay, thing yeah. you didn't get in your stocking, and now you can get it for yourself. Yeah, I doubt anyone's going to get it for you, so you should just buy it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Merry Christmas. And if you don't celebrate happy holidays and if you yeah. don't celebrate any holidays happy almost new year because somehow it is almost 2022 i don't know how time works or how that happened but that is what i am told yeah and if you don't pay attention to time then you know happy friday <laughs> is it friday i don't know saturday i don't know what even <laughs> it is. i don't even know what day it is so i mean i know what day it is i guess do i even know what day it is in real life when we're recording this it's it's friday Friday. today it's friday yeah i I think think this will come out on saturday saturday yeah just going on christmas or christmas eve i haven't decided oh okay well i don't know then yes i don't know it'll just be a whim (laughs) of my decision yes (laughs) and you might be listening to it two months from now who knows so but yeah happy whatever day it happens to be and i hope it's a good one for you yeah me too yeah. Bye. Bye. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we try to figure out if if the the truth truth is is still out there. Merry Christmas. Christmas. The truth is what
see how that sounds okay. sometimes it sounds like it's going to sound good and it doesn't like doing the break there that did not sound good <laughs> so let's see if this break sounds good <laughs> 